Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Experience Rum and Q's award-winning barbecue rubs, sauces and seasonings. Absolutely perfect for any occasion. This is the Saturday Session with Daniel McCarty and Grant Elliott. I love the fact that my name comes first, but it's Grant and Daniel. Daniel and Grant on the Saturday session. Wakey, wakey, listeners. 0800 Get off your bum and give us a call. We want to hear from you and give Granule a call. We're a bit emotional today. We are very emotional. We're very emotional. Why are we very emotional, Daniel? Tell the listeners. Well, three's going to become two soon. Oh. The Wolf Pack. <laughs> Wait, how long have we called ourselves the Wolf Pack? About 11 seconds. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the Wolf Pack is missing one of the members. I actually watched Discovery Channel uh, last night, and you see how nature has its way of natural selection. The stronger ones go on, bigger tribes, and that's exactly what's happening now. The weaker ones stay on and wither and finish with the predators so you're telling me i'm going to wither and die next to you i'm just saying the stronger yeah. one is moving on isn't he well, he's got the best here there's no denying he has he has yeah. ben francis this is his last day with us yeah at SCNZ. moving on to bigger and better things he's been with us virtually since day one on the saturday session uh ben francis i know does not like being uh, put under the spotlight he um he, he will probably just want to go about his business be the professional that it is and uh you know shuffle along but what I will but say. But that's not how we roll on this show. <laughs> and also, Daniel, how can you get bigger and better than the Saturday session? I don't it's know. It's impossible. I don't know. It's impossible. Maybe he just wants to share um, all he's learned with others. Ben Francis, how are you, friend? We will miss you. Morning, guys. I'll miss you both as well. It's been you guys have been a regular feature of my Saturday, and it's going to be very weird waking up next weekend and thinking I'm not going to be here. And actually having a weekend off. Yeah, we'll be. That that will probably be the most weirdest part. Oh, I know. Uh. He's going to get his weekends back. So uh, all the best to you, Ben. Uh, it's been awesome working with you, my friend. And hopefully over the next three hours, we can have a bit of fun. It has been. And and Ben, there is a there's a thank you card there where. Um, did you get someone to write it, did you? There's a comment. Yeah, well, I can't write it from Wellington to Auckland, so someone did write it for me, but I just wanted to make sure that that comment was in there. Have you paid all debts? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Has he been? Has he paid all debts? Mm, I don't know. Mm, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you'll never be enough for Ben Francis. <laughs> Our number is 0800 150 811. Open line talk throughout this hour. You know the drill. 
If there's something you want to discuss, feel free. Now is the chance. Let's get to the latest in sports headlines at the top of the hour before we tell you what's uh, coming up on the show. Hey, key wickets late in the day have helped England, helped England, giving them a chance of staying in contention in the Ashes series in their must-win third test. Australia finishing a thrilling day too, 116 for four with a second innings lead of 142. More heroics from Captain Ben Stokes single-handedly getting England Within 26 runs of Australia's first innings total after hitting 80, the hosts scheduled for 237 with Australian captain Pat Cummins. He's quite good. He's quite good uh, taking six wickets. Travis Head and first innings centurion Mitch Marsh. What a knock that was. Oh. What an innings that was. Uh, survived the final 45 minutes to leave the test um, in which a win would seal the series for Australia finally poised. And the Ashes series continues to grip the sporting world with the NRL match the latest to refereeing. Reference the gripping series in a viral try celebration for the ages. <laughs> this is an excellent try celebration, as we said. Bravo. Can I give my workhorse of the week to the Canberra Raider players involved in this? It was funny. Yeah. It was really it funny. It was really funny. Well orchestrated. After Kiwi winger Jordan Rappinat crossed uh, for a try against uh, the Dragons. Nothing to celebrate there. It's the Dragons, right? Uh, the Canberra Raiders paid tribute to the now infamous incident during the second test, reenacting the, run- the stumping. Of uh, Johnny Besto. It, it just, gee, it warmed my heart. It really did warm my heart. Uh, it was an homage to the controversial stumping that saw uh, wicketkeeper Johnny Besto dismissed and um, resulted in the cricketing world losing their collective minds. Yeah. Um, some thoughts coming on that a little bit later. And Sir Andy Murray was una- um, unable to hide his crushing disappointment after his painful second round loss to Greek Stefanos Tsitsipas at Wimbledon and could not. Guarantee he will play again in the tournament after leading by two sets to one in a match postponed due to Wimbledon's 11pm curfew. Murray conceded the final two sets uh, to Sitsipas, the fifth seed losing 7-6, 6-7, 4-6, 7-6, Uh, Meanwhile, uh, Novak Djokovic has cruised to a straight sets win over Stan Warinka, while on the ladies' side... uh, Swiatek beats uh, Martik 6-2-7-5 to reach the round of 16. There you have it, the very latest in uh, sports uh, headlines. What's coming up on the show? Well, we do hope plenty of you from now on in on 0800-150-811. Huge night of sport ahead, Grant. Elliot, don't know how you're going to pace yourself, mate. I know you're fit. Uh, you've got the Warriors away to the Eels. That uh, then goes into your uh, Ashes, which you can listen here on SENZ through the wee hours into the early morning. And then that takes you into the All Blacks taking on Argentina. Yes, the first All Blacks test is on our doorstep. Uh, 2023 is going to end in dot, dot, dot. I don't know. And that's why I want one of the questions I want to ask our uh, audience today. Don't um, forget the Saints. I'm going to be going oh, to yes, the Saints game. Of course. Final that, game that, sold out. It was sold out a week ago. Brilliant. So you're going to get some live local sport and then go plonk yourself on the couch. Oh, yes. Brilliant. G'day, Dean. You're first up on 0800 150811 morning. Yeah, good morning, lads. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. It was weird having a weekend last weekend without rugby, to be brutally honest. Like, I kind of looked forward to it, and there was sort of nothing that I could really sit down and enjoy. I tried watching the Warriors, and that'll be this enough seed. So, um, yeah, really looking forward to it. Like, I'd love to see, and it's like a throwback to the good old days, but this all-black team that's playing Argentina... With Whitelock, and it's all pie-in-the-sky stuff, but with Whitelock and Rutelic locking the scrum for the team, the New Zealand 15 playing Japan, I would love to see those two teams clash because, for me, the back line 
for the New Zealand 15 actually works. Like Stephen Pirafita is a very, very good number 10. He's not a fullback's asshole, neither is Bowden Barrett. But they keep putting them there, and I do not know why. But the midfield are quality midfielders. The outside backs will do the job. And I think Zahn Sullivan has suffered from the Rico Iwani disease and not been able to pass the ball. Because I think, in my opinion, he's a better fullback than the boy Love ever will be. But, you know, it's still a quality team, that New Zealand 15. I think they've got players in positions rightfully. Whereas the All Black backline, it just, it just does my head in. I cannot understand why Stevenson isn't given a go. When we all know Bowden Barrett doesn't even want to play 15. Has he, has he said that? He said that after Lamarpe steamrolled him when he went to the Blues. Yeah, that's it. I'm not playing here anymore. <laughs> oh, right, okay. I, 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 I've got serious. so he many questions. Play, he he I, I've got a lot of season. questions over the over the All Black side heading into 2023, and one of them is Bowden Barrett, question mark. Bowden Barrett, question mark. What, what is Bowden Barrett in 2023? Based on what we have seen in Super Rugby, is he a first five? Is he a fullback? Is he on a 23-man bench? Is he out of the 23 altogether? I think he can make pretty good arguments for all of them. Uh, totally. Like he's a, he was a world-class 10. And for some unknown reason, under Hanson and Foster, we moved the best 10 in the world and moved one or two or the third best 15 in the world definitely to the wing. So we, instead of strengthening one position, we weakened three. And we're continuing to do that. Like, I just don't understand the logic of any of it. Like, Bowden Barrett offers no more attacking ability than Stevenson does. But I know who I would rather have defensively. And it's that simple. Is it, is it not, though, Dean, that we maybe we're just blessed with a few good number, world-class number 10s? And it doesn't really I, matter who plays well, in that I, position I because... I'm not 100% sure we are blessed with that many world-class teams. I'm pleased they're sticking with Damien, and the simple fact of the matter with that for me is he's staying here. So at least Foster isn't, and I've got to take my hat off to him, really, because he could just say, to hell with this, I'm going to pick what I believe is going to try and win the World Cup so I can go out a hero. And at the moment, he's got no, I can't see us. I just can't see it. There's no combination. There's no no team. South Africa, if I can change subject to them, that first test last year, that'll be their quarterfinal World Cup team. They know what they're going to play. They know how they're going to play. They're ready for the World Cup. We're miles away. And they're even seeing this team that plays at Mount Smart Stadium for Africa next week. That will possibly be their World Cup quarterfinal team. Then they won't wheel them out again. They know what they're going to do. They're ready to mm-hmm. do the job. We've got no idea. Like, I mean, I want to see... But that's exciting, isn't it, in some perverse way? It's exciting. There's so much uncertainty. That's the way I. That's the way I view it, Dean. You you might disagree with me wholeheartedly. No, no, I do. I'm looking forward to the World Cup. I'm incredibly frustrated that I believe we've always got the cattle here in New Zealand, but we're just not. Well, you, you, if, you, if you watch Super Rugby, you cannot say that Bowden Barrett was affected through not really wanting to throw the ball to Rico Iwani. The outside backs all suffered. Caleb Clark, Mark Talia, Zahn Sullivan got no quality ball fed to them. It was all broken field bull rush rugby. Bull rush rugby won't win you a World Cup. 
No, no doubt about that. Good on you, Dan. I do appreciate it. Hey, by the way, we've got Bleeding Black after 9 o'clock tomorrow. Uh, Immediate reaction to the first test of the year. Love to hear your voice. Uh, I'll be in the chair taking your calls on 0800-150-811 tomorrow morning. Thanks so much, Dean. Go enjoy your day. I cannot remember a time where there's so much uncertainty hanging over the head of the All Blacks as they embark on another World Cup year. Uh, We've had teams with issues in the past, absolutely, but to this level, I, I can't recall anything of this nature. And it's left me in part terrified, uh, but also exhilarated to see what happens. That, the uncertainty, the, the jeopardy, of course, of, of a tournament of its nature. I'm really excited. Um, but, boy, do I have some question marks. Um, let me sort of explain the uncertainty. Um, start with the team. Here are just a few of the questions I have. Uh, what's our best loose forward mix? Uh, who has earned a start in midfield? Who makes up the back three? And what do you do with Richie Moonga? Damien McKenzie and Bowden Barrett, surely not all of them can feature in a 23-man squad for a knockout game at a World Cup. And that's just the naming of the team. Uh, I haven't even factored in the opposition, um, the field, the draw. There's so much uncertainty. I'd love to get your thoughts. Pulse check. Is it racing? Rugby fans, 0800-150-811. As uh, you eye the start of uh, another all-black campaign. Yeah, why wouldn't you you put Damian McKenzie, Bowden Barrett, and Richie Moanga all in the same team? I mean, Damian McKenzie's well, played at fullback. Bowden Barrett's played everywhere. Damian McKenzie's pro- yeah, he's probably only been fullback in first five. You could, you, you could have one at ten, one at fifteen, or one at twenty-three. But yeah. I don't think yeah. any of those three are the best number fifteen. Mm. You know, health provided in my team, I've probably got Will Jordan, and I don't have McKenzie and Barrett on the bench. So, I'm starting Richie Moanga. Tell me if I'm wrong. Let me know. That's the beauty of it. Why, let's be wise before the fact. Oh, I had After that semi-final, Richie Moonga, where um, they played against the Blues, and what he produced in that game, I think that that showed... I mean, he controlled the game, didn't he? He really did control the game, and I think he showed the flair and the skills that he had and the ability to control a game, because that's what you want from your number 10, is someone who's going to take the game with both hands and be able to control it, either with foot or with hand, mm-hmm. and distribution. So... I think they're all talented enough to be in the in one squad, be it 10, 15, 23, whatever that looks like. Um, but I think the worrying thing but, is, is that... There's a few buts, Grant. The worrying thing is is that Damian McKenzie had such a good Super Rugby at number 10, and now he's starting at 10. It's like, wow. Well, if he goes, here's a blinder. It's not like in cricket terms. You give people enough opportunity just to see what they're like they will do extremely well, and then that clouds your judgment. Or Zach Crawley. Yeah. <laughs> Steve writes, hi, guys. You forgot, Daniel. We have the New Zealand 15 versus the Japan sides. You watch the Warriors and all the Eels are a B-side, even the Warriors win. Okay. It's still competition points in the NRL up for grabs, and I did cram in some rugby. Uh, but fair enough, Steve. Tony Kemp. Kempy, hope you're doing well, mate. I, I, he, he's noticed... Our Hall of Fame try celebration that we've already paid tribute to, <laughs> uh, the Canberra it's It's brilliant. It, if you haven't checked it out, go to He goes, hey, boys, what about Elliot Whitehead, the pommy, joining the Australian celebrations with the Canberra try was scored? He was as confused as Johnny Best. <laughs> <laughs> and for those of you that haven't seen it, I'll, I'll post it on the gram, but Canberra Raiders score a try, and then they suddenly get into formation where one of them bowls the, the ball and the keeper catches it and then throws it at the corner stick um, as the wicket's just emulating the best I run out. It's bloody good. Yeah. Uh, love to get your thoughts. 0800 150 811. Do you know what I'd really like to hear from motorsport fans today? 
Um, I know you're a you're a Formula One guru, so you have an intrinsic understanding of all <coughs> motorsport, right? I, mm. I get that. I, on the other <laughs> hand, am willing to share my fallibilities to the world. Uh, I, I'm by no means um, any expert in motorsport, but Shane Van Gisbergen's win in NASCAR on debut uh, seems to me quite the big deal. Uh, motorsport fans, could you try and put it in context for me what this guy has done, not only in this race but over the course of his career, that makes him truly special? You know, how big a deal is that win at NASCAR? Motorsport fans, we don't often make a, a direct call to you for, you for you to call in, but I would really like to learn more uh, from your perspective as a fan of the sport um, why this needs to be elevated and uh, have a light shone on it. 0800 150 811. We are going to talk some motorsport. We'll dig into this a little bit later. Um, and also talk Formula One. You've been a little bit sloppy with your Formula One character. I have been. Yeah. I mean, is the Van Gisbergen thing, is that like, you know, Richie McCaw playing a test match and scoring 100? <laughs> you know, I and then looking at the I players in the change room going, it's not that tough. Because, I mean, it was his first NASCAR race. Well, the Black Clash shows us that every oh, day. Come on. That most rugby players made the wrong decision. <laughs> that they should play yeah, they in today. They could easily be in the you, Black Caps. You see team. what they make in the IPL rugby players? What are you doing? Have you seen the state of our cricket team? I, I, I would really like to hear from motorsport fans to try and put it in context. Yeah, because I, I can't. But, I mean, I would think that that would be embarrassing for anyone from NASCAR that's been toiling away for, you know, a decade at their, their craft and then suddenly someone comes in and goes, yeah, I'll give that a go. Yeah, I'll I win it. That. I can do that. Mm. Piece of cake. It's like me saying, oh, I can ski jump. Yeah, I can do a skull. Well, it's a, it was a road race, wasn't it? So you didn't just have to turn left the whole race. <laughs> one of those oval tracks. Uh, motorsport fans, please, uh, you know, enlighten us. Uh, educate us. Enthrall us. 0800 150 You can also text us on the Temper Bedpost text machine. Our number is uh, 8833. Open line talk throughout this hour. We will talk to Bob McMurray. Yes, of course, a legendary New Zealand motorsport pundit. Of course, a long association in Formula One. Not only that Formula One, but... Bergen, of course. He's going to join us around about 11.40-ish. After 11 o'clock, Grant, uh, you and I will uh, dig a little bit deeper into the Ashes series, and why not? It's been a heck of a series. Oh, uh, it's has there been much, much controversy? Oh, there's been a little bit. We'll, t- we'll touch on that very shortly, but uh, the Saturday Session Cricket Update, thanks to Rosine, uh, coming up after 11 o'clock. Time to paint. Get your quality finished with Rosine Paints. Decorating Kiwi houses since 1946. And we will talk uh, the start of the international rugby season. Uh, we'll get the perspective of a man who's familiar to you all here on uh, SCNZ. Part of uh, um, our Super Rugby uh, coverage. The former Scottish international, former Americans, lose forward. Gordon Simpson, the badger, is going to drop by after 12 o'clock. Uh, we'll talk about the All Blacks. And, uh, you know, maybe his overall feelings on the international game. How wide open is it? Uh, I, I think it's as wide open as, as I can ever remember. So looking forward to welcoming him to the show after 12. You're looking and, at me and, like and also, I do have something to say. Um, I managed to, after last week where we had an Irish international phone in mm. at midnight Zimbabwe time just to tell us what he thought of our show. It was great. No, they're Mark, lovely of him. Mark Adair. Um, managed to get uh, Oliver Hannon Dalby, someone that I played cricket with in uh, in Birmingham. Hyphenated name. He wasn't in the long room at Lord. No, I don't, I don't think he was. No. Well, maybe he was. We'll ask him. Yeah. But um, he will give us a little bit of a finger on the pulse of how the feeling is in the Ashes. Yorkshire born and bred, played played for Warwickshire or plays for Warwickshire. So it'll be interesting to see what he thinks. And he's got that beautiful accent as well. Well, Yorkshire is the spiritual home of. 
of it. It's cricket. And if we're going to talk the spirit of cricket, you've got to go to the spiritual home. Did you see Jeffrey Boycott, what he had to say? No. Oh, it's brilliant. What did he have to say? Oh, he was just, you know, the spirit of cricket in Australia, just slamming Australia as you thought he would. Yeah. Priceless. Yeah. I, I did find it a little bit rich with some of the English, you know, coming out and saying, oh, I'm not sure I'd want to win a test match that way. You won a World Cup on boundaries. <laughs> Seriously. You won a World Cup on boundary countback. <laughs> I never. You, you, you didn't have any issue with winning that game, did you? Was that against the spirit of cricket? Yes, it was. Well, that's... God, a, I'm bitter. The interesting thing with that one, Daniel, yeah. is... And we'll talk about it a bit later, but... did Because they gave us six oh, and, not, and not five. Did Ben Stokes know that it should have been five? Should he have gone to the umpires and said, Hey, guys... <laughs> Listen, you've given us six, it's only five. Because Kane Williamson, certainly, there was a lot going on. Oh, he, he didn't know. He didn't know. He should have how, taken how, his how time. Could how could he know? Yeah, he didn't. How could he know? I'm just such a cynic. Just don't trust any of you athletes. 20 minutes after 10 <laughs> o'clock. Uh, more of your calls on 0800-150-811. Stay with us. Back after this break. 24 minutes after 10 o'clock. This is the Saturday session in association with Rum and Q, award-winning rubs, sauces, and seasonings. Taking your calls on 0800 You can also text us on double eight double three. Richie sent through quite a long message. Do appreciate the time you've taken, Richie. I really do. It's about Richie, not Richie, a different Richie. Richie Moonga, to be exact. And he writes, uh, he has never controlled a game at the international level where we are playing the current top sides, Ireland, France, and the box. That's mainly due to him needing a dominant forward pack, which we no longer have at the top level of international rugby. He has that at super rugby level, and that's why he looks so good at that level. He's never transferred that to the international level. Unfortunately, though, he is probably our best option. At least that means the All Blacks will be getting an extra two weeks of rest at the end of the season. Ouchie. Uh, I, I know where you're coming from. I do think he's the best option. I think so as well. I, I think... Right now, uh, with McKenzie probably too, I think yeah, Bowden Barrett's, based on what I've seen this year, uh, down my uh, player chart, I can't remember a guy who has dominated at Super Rugby to the extent he has, who hasn't, I see where Richie's come around, hasn't completely translated into the international environment. And neither has uh, Damien McKenzie, though. Mm. So, yeah. So there, there's... But maybe we are being unfair, are we comparing them to Daniel Carter and the applying Bowden Barrett when he was winning, yeah. you know, super, you know well, rugby player of the year for two years. Yeah. But maybe we need to compare them to the other first fives in international rugby at, at the moment. Uh, 0800 150 is our number. You can text us on double eight double three. Rich, you really do appreciate uh, that message. Uh, I see where you're coming from. And Brendan writes, good morning, gents. Don't forget the supercars are on as well. Thank you, Brent. Uh, Brendan, is that Brendan who we invited ourselves to do a breakfast show? Our show from his lounge watching supercars one morning. Could be. <laughs> Could if you're be. a motorsport fan, Brendan, feel free to give us a call and try enlighten me in particular. Grant Grant knows more than me. <laughs> the Giz. How big a deal was that? We can go to Mark, though. Good morning, Mark. How are you? Morning, Mark. Good morning, Jess. How are you? We're great. Good. We're great. Great. Well, it's been a good weekend over the... Or a good week over this side of the ditch as far as sports goes. And I owe a big thank you to SEN here in Sydney because I won mm-hmm. off uh, Sats and the Rat a double pass to go see the State of Origin game here in Sydney next Wednesday. So that's great. It'll be my first live Origin match and I'm really hoping we get a New South Wales win so I can give it to my brother who's a Queenslander who's been giving me baseless grief for years. Well, Mark, on the other side of the coin, at least you'll see one quality side play uh, rugby league. <laughs> well, yeah, New South Wales. 
Yeah, 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 yeah. That's, ex- that's exactly what I was meaning. That's right, because, I mean, you know there's a number of ingredients as to why Queensland won't do well. I mean, I lived in Queensland for a number of years, and the best part of those was when I came back south across the border to New South Wales to live. But you know why Queenslanders put 4X on their beer? It's because they can't spell beer. I mean, the stuff's great for different domestic uses, you know, clearing out your car engine, clearing out your drains, but drink the muck. No, it's <laughs> tastes better. Oh, Mark, I mean, you, you are getting really personal. When you start abusing the local beer brand in Australia, oh, he, you know that that hits hard. Yeah, Grant's a massive fan oh, of Waikato Draft, by the way. But, Grant, you can't call that stuff beer, seriously. I mean, my favourite beer on the planet is Steinlager. Having lived in New Zealand for 15 years, I know the best of the best. And you can't, you can't even rate 4X as the, you can't even rate the, 4X as the worst of so-called beer. Uh, Do you but, like the um, classic, the Steinlager classic? I, I like any type of Steinlager. Um, space oh. is good, uh, but 4X, no, no. And getting into this cricket mess, I mean, it's like... Yeah, get into the know, sport, there's, Mark. There's, there's an expression, <laughs> whinging poms, you know? It, it, was, it was proven very true this week. I mean, it went the whole way up to their prime minister who whinged about it, saying it went against the spirit of the game. Uh, yeah, there's two things to kind of counter that. Number one, even the Poms tried that in the first innings. You know, like their wicketkeeper, Bairstow, tried it against Manus Labuschagne. And then it's been proven by such luminaries in our game this week as Ian Smith, who used to be a New Zealand captain and wicketkeeper. It's been proven by the very laws of cricket that the Mary Lebone Cricket Club put together. It's been uh, shot down by Kevin Peterson who used to be an English cricket captain, when they've all said it's a completely legal move. So they've got nothing. You know, it's just whinging pom hypocrisy at its worst. <laughs> well, and you guys have been, you know, squeaky clean over the years. I, I don't think anyone can sort of impugn your character as, as cricketers. You, you've never done well, anything wrong, have you? I, I'm not saying we haven't done anything And you know, that's wrong, the biggest really. load of BS I've ever said in my life. Let's be frank, well, Mark. You guys... Well, have a huge track record. Well, we do. A massive track record of skullduggery and underhand tactics, and this doesn't even make the top page, in my opinion. I'm kind of with you, Mark. And I will freely admit to that treachery and skullduggery, but the thing is, we haven't done it. We have not emphasised that word, not done any of it in this game, or this series of the Ashes. And, you know, the Poms who... Uh, rubbished our batsmen, Warner and Labuschagne, when they walked down the stairs in the long room. Um, they've got nothing either. That's just the case of whinge and poms again, you know, because I reckon two major reasons poms are so grumpy in life in general is because their beer's too warm and their weather's too cold. And they're just jealous of the great beer and oh. weather we have here in Australia. Oh, I love it, Mark. Mark, I love hearing from you. You're one of my favourite callers. We'll do it again real soon. I've got to get to a break, no mate. No problem. But you know what? Right, you know what? I'm gonna have. We're gonna have to get an English reply to this. We're gonna have to get an English reply. Absolutely. It would only be fair. So let's take a short break. Let's take a short break and, and let's let's get an English. We need a very English sounding person too. Someone with a double barrel yeah, surname. Yeah, I want a double barrel surname. Someone we'll be- like Bartholomew Frinton Smith. <laughs> yeah. I, lo- I love how the me- so many in the media thought that was true. It was real. It was clearly a joke. It was um, just, it was just hilarious. It was absolutely hilarious. It's ten thirty. This is the Saturday session on ECNZ with Rum and Q award winning rub sauces and seasonings. Oh, let's rub the English and Australian cricket fan bases up.
after this break. 25 minutes away from 11 o'clock. Our number is 0800 Keep the text messages rolling in through to double eight double three on the Temper Bear Post text machine. Well, Grant, after uh, the previous ad break, where Mark out of Sydney completely uh, lanced, oh. eviscerated uh, the English cricketing community, uh, is basically whinging socks. We've got to get the other side of the coin, don't we? We've got to get the other perspective. We're all about fair and balanced here. Well, yeah, I mean, in the news it came out that um, the people uh, that were banned from the MCC, it was actually fabricated, but it wasn't Bartholomew, Frinton, Smith, Humphrey, Wigbert, Porter, and Quinton Breckenridge. We had to get someone with a double-barreled surname. Oh, yeah. But also, someone from, it's a country in itself, Yorkshire. What's the true spiritual home of cricket? It it? is. If we're going to talk the spirit of the game, we've got to go to the spiritual home of the game. And I saw probably the patron of uh, Yorkshire uh, on TV last night, just absolutely going to town on the Australians, Jeffrey Boycott. And um, someone who played with me, we've got him on the show. He was born in Yorkshire, plays for the Birmingham Bears, played for Yorkshire as well. Uh, Oliver James Hannon Dalby, the owl. Al, how are you? Oh, well, we guys. Thanks for having me. Uh, yeah, obviously, probably one of the only double barrel guys in Yorkshire, but uh, yeah, thanks for having me on. It's, it's nice to be here. <laughs> that... having, having a double barrel name in England, does it, do you just feel better than most people? Oh, listen, I'll be honest. My double barrel name isn't due to any sort of poshness. It's more to do with indecisive <laughs> parents. So I, I, I've got it for not very posh reasons at all, if I'm honest. <laughs> um, yeah, quite the, oppo- quite the opposite of posh, if I'm honest. Um, yeah, so no, I don't, feel, uh, better. Al, before... I don't feel better than anyone at all. <laughs> before we get on to the Ashes, and obviously we had Mark from Sydney giving England an absolute lancing, saying that you're all a bunch of sooks. Um, the Vitality Blast, or T20, the Bears, it looks like you guys are going through to the semi-finals. Are they one of your former teams, Grant, are they? Of course. One, one of the 50,000 teams you play for. <laughs> yeah, one of one of 25 teams, I seem to remember, Grant. Yeah. Um, <laughs> oh, in fact, we got through to the quarterfinals, but unfortunately we lost last night. We lost to um, Essex in the quarterfinals, so we're not going to get through to no. the there, which is a bit gut-wrenching, but yeah, no, nah, we, we we lost last night, but thanks for keeping up to date with, um, with your... Oh, bugger! If, if only there was a way that you could go onto your computer and find out results of sports. Well, I, I did. I had a look, and I thought that there was just a pool game. Oh, I'm sorry to pour vinegar into the oh, wounds no, there. Not. Uh, no, 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 it's not. Oh, no, bugger. It's much but, hard keeping up with all your old teams. <laughs> okay, you're throwing in the the knife at me. Yeah. Well, listen, oh, I, 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 I'll ask the Are you a are you a sock? Are you a whinging pom? Oh, I don't think I am, but I think your previous call has probably got a fair point. I mean, if, I mean, I presume it's all about the Johnny Bairstow incident. If, yeah. if you're going to go sort of wandering out of your crease, you probably deserve everything you get, don't you? I mean, it's 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 pretty daft. Um, if I was playing a game, would you call someone back? Oh, it's tough to say, isn't it? But um, yeah, if you if you go wandering about out of your crease, I think you you're probably asking for trouble. Much like Mitchell Stark rubbing the ball on the ground, you're probably asking for trouble there as well. So I think they're probably both about the same. Oliver, um, I would have warned if yeah. you ever want to get into the media, these considered, well-rounded opinions won't get you anywhere. You need a hot take. You need to be on that side of the debate, on that, that side. It seems you're you're quite a reasoned individual. Well, I mean, I mean, there's probably a life lesson in there somewhere, which is, you know, don't relax if you've got a nausea, so it's very close behind you. 
and it could go rubbing your balls on the ground. That would be the two things I'd take from that. Probably good life lessons, I'd say. <laughs> yeah. But Ollie, I like it. what else? Those are great life lessons, and I think that we should get those up on SENZ. Don't, um, rub quotation don't rub your balls on the ground, my favourite. I, I was actually, the thing that bothers me with this dismissal is I was involved in the exact same scenario, and it was against England. And yeah. McCullum, they would have shown the footage of McCullum it. Ran I mean, out McCullum home. ran out. Collingwood, who, was, Collingwood was walking down the pitch. His, but it was the last ball of the over, and this was also the last ball of the over. And unfortunately, I think, I think the umpires got it wrong because the umpire was grabbing his hat at the non-striker's end, and at the striker's end at square leg boundary, he was already walking in by the time the ball was thrown. So if the umpires were true to themselves, and by the letter of the law, they have to say, over up. Do they do that after every over? They probably don't. They get a bit complacent, and they hand the cap to the bowler. But now, I don't know if they've done it in this test, whether there's a very audible over up now, because I think the umpires got it wrong. Yeah, and I think you're probably right. And to diffuse that entire he's not. Situation, he's never right. <laughs> I think the umpires could have probably easily said, couldn't they? Oh, I know. I did call over. Oh, it clearly was over, and that would have been the end of it. But then we'd have nothing to talk about, would we? So, you know, it's all fun and games. And as yeah. you, as you well, guys over... mentioned, as you guys mentioned, Benedict Benedict Cumbersmythe or whatever his name was in the MCC uh, <laughs> Pavilion would have had would have had nothing to moan about, would it? Well. <laughs> <laughs> Well, what was the feeling? I mean, you would have heard in the cricketing circles what it was like. I actually, I heard from Daniel uh, Vittori, who said he's never seen so many angry 70-year-olds uh, at the Lord's <laughs> Pavilion. Now, have you heard what the, the tension was like and the atmosphere was like at Lord's? Yeah, I, think, man, I mean, it's, it's pretty raucous sometimes at Lord's anyway in the afternoon because of all the pims that's com- consumed. But I think, yeah, in particular that day, there were some uh, very red, sunburned individuals with uh, the blizz on, <laughs> and obviously we're, we're giving a bit of abuse out to a few Aussies, which, you know, is no bad thing sometimes. The Aussies probably do reserve it from time to time, don't they? Um, but yeah, I think <laughs> probably got a little bit a little bit out of hand there, maybe, and a bit too, too many pims consumed. I just, want to, I just want to say Oliver's name again. Is that all right? Oliver yeah. Hannon-Dalby. Hope I got that correctly. Over 100 first-class games. He knows what he's talking about. What's the overall feeling like in England about the state of the series? You're not going to win the Ashes. I said that last week, so don't be offended. Australia are a better side than you. You'd reinvented cricket with baseball. You'd, you'd been winning. Is it a little bit deflating what, you, what you've seen? I'm trying to be nasty but struggling here. <laughs> no, um, I th- I th- surprisingly, you know, the British public generally sort of want you to win at all costs, really. Um, but the, I think the, the general support is still massively behind the team. They're sort of excited what the, yeah. the team can do. Seen today from Ben Stokes, you know, sort of an- another unbelievable rearguard action from him. I think if they do go three 0 down, you know, that really will be the test of basketball, won't it? You know, this, this positivity. Um, in, at all costs, you know, positivity is more important than, than the results, it seems, at times with this, this new philosopher. So if they're 3-0 down, it's going to be a real test, or certainly in this second innings, if they've got 300-odd to chase, um, are they going to go out all gun blazing, or are they going to try use the you know two days that they might have to chase it down? I think that'll be the, the real test of it all then. But it's certainly entertaining. Jeez, there's been some good games, I think, perhaps. Oh, hell yeah. England... England might think, you know, we could have won these two games. You know, certainly chances both at um, both at Lords and Edgbaston that England could could easily be sat here two 0 up. So, 
Um, so good series. I think we're in for another exciting couple of days at Henning Lakes. It looks a brilliant pitch. And I think um, if England can bowl, bowl the Aussies out for somewhere, you know, less than 300 or around 300, it'll be a, a brilliant chase. Well, HD, um, <clears throat> thank you so much for being on the show. You probably just come back from your tracksuit party um, that we used to have for the Birmingham Bears. Um, you probably have to rest up and ice that uh, lithe athletic body of yours, being the bowler that you are. And I'm very sorry about the loss for the Bears. I, yeah, some of the best years of my life with uh, with you lads. I keep looking at the videos of us at finals day, um, getting the old uh, funnel out and giving it to the CEO, which was uh, which was amazing, amazing times. Like, can we, but, can we uh, just great have a to beer have funnel you. before 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 there's anything weird gets sort of added to that? It's a beer funnel. It's not any other sort of rude funnel. It's just a beer funnel. <laughs> a beer funnel, yeah. <laughs> And great to have someone with a double-barreled surname Brilliant. and with a Yorkshire accent. Mate, you're an absolute legend. I know it's late over there. Um, yeah, rest up. And, yeah, sorry about the beers loss uh, last night. Totally disappointing. No worries. Cheers, guys. Thanks for having me. See you, fella. Our pleasure. Thanks so much for dropping by, Oliver Hannan-Delby. Uh, former teammate of Grant, long time, what, Yorkshire, Warwickshire? Yorkshire first, then Warwickshire? Yorkshire first, then, then Warwickshire. Warwickshire. Over 100 first-class games. He, he, he knows what he's talking about. Beautiful little shape on the ball. Yeah. Rounds in. Yeah, a little bit of awkward sort of run-up. But, yeah, just that line and length. Just beautiful with the Duke's ball. Swinging it both ways. Swinging both yeah. ways will appear after 11 o'clock on the show as Grant and I dig a little bit deeper into the Ashes series itself. But uh, quarter to 11 back after this break. Rum and Q. We love them for a variety of reasons. They're wonderful products. And, of course, uh, the uh, support of the show. It's 11 minutes away from 11 o'clock. Let's get to Rub the Wrong Way with Rum and Q, award-winning rubs, sauces, and seasonings. What's rubbed me the wrong way this week, Grant? We'll hear from you later. But what's rubbed me the wrong way? Well, the reaction to Johnny Bairstow stumping in the second Ashes cricket test has certainly rubbed me the wrong way. Let me explain. The reaction has been overheated. Why? Because I don't think there is a single villain in this. I don't think there is. I think there is blame to be shared around from batsmen to captains to umpires. And some of the reaction has been plain weird, like when the uh, hoity-toities in the long room at Lords turned into the mosh pit at a Rage Against the Machine concert, I found quite funny, um, as they decided to, to shout and push the Australian players. It was just kind of embarrassing, wasn't it? While the uh, level of accusations of cheating uh, thrown towards the Australians had me thinking, heck, did they use sandpaper again, Grant? P.S. they didn't, uh, and this stumping was nowhere near as offensive as that. Look, uh, was it out by the letter of the law? Yes. Was it against the spirit of the game? Probably. Would I want to take wickets like that if I was the captain of the fielding side? No. But if I was Bearstow, I'd be angry with myself first, not the opposition. I did go walkabout. I just don't see this incident as a horrendous act of skullduggery, as some have made it out to be. Wicketkeeper catches the ball, then almost immediately throws the ball to Stumps, which I'm pretty sure he's entitled to do so, and something a lot of wicketkeepers around the world uh, have tried and will continue to do so. Johnny Bairstow then helps by simply switching off, thinking, rightly or wrongly, that over had been called. He goes walkabout, ball hits Stumps, he's out of his crease, and he is out. Now... Umpires ruled it that way. You know, the people who actually apply the laws of the game, Grant. Um, now, should Australian captain Pat Cummings have withdrawn the appeal? Well, dis disciples of the spirit of cricket mantra would say yes. But come on, who are we talking about here? Who are we talking about, Grant? 
Aren't your expectations of that player and that team utterly misguided if you think they're going to feel the warm sun of the spirit of cricket on their back in that instance? Heck no. They're no angels. They've never been in my eyes and unlikely to ever be. And if you think they will, I think shame on you. Um, As uh, the fallout raged, the media rounded behind their team and fired shots on behalf of their team. Nationalism was at its heart, and that was most cringeworthy for me. Uh, Some of the takes were needlessly hot, emotional, and I'll repeat, cringeworthy. Um, And I'd like to pay a particular um, tribute to one Ben Stokes and give him some credit. In replying to a Western Australian newspaper who had mocked up an artist's design of Stokes as a baby in nappies, sucking on a pacifier in front of a brand new cricket ball, Stokes's reply was simply sensational, Grant. Uh, he just uh, replied, that's definitely not me. Since when did I bowl with a new ball? <laughs> Finally, some levity on a topic that seriously needed it. That's what's rubbed me the wrong way this week. What's rubbed you the wrong way? Let us know. Double eight double three on the Timber Bed Post text machine. Or pick up the phone 0800 um, everyone who uh, offers what's rubbed you the wrong way uh, across sport, life in general, uh, you'll go into the draw to win a wonderful prize back thanks to the, uh, the team at Rum and Q. You can experience Rum and Q's award-winning barbecue rub sauces and seasonings absolutely perfect for any occasion. This is where you tell me I'm foolish and you completely disagree with me. I actually, I do disagree with you. Mm-hmm. I think it is a big issue. It's a big issue. I was involved in Two and suddenly my my Twitter started going off. I was being added into ah yes to tweets because of the runout at the Oval when Sidebottom and I collided. Um, so I dropped the ball down. We were, I guess, cruising or the game was in the balance, and then suddenly Sidebottom and I collided, and then oh hell England, England ran ran me out. <clears throat> I hobbled back to my crease, going, "Wow, they won't get me out." I mean, rugby tackled. And they gave they they appealed upheld the decision and I was off I was on my bike and that created a massive rift between the two teams mm-hmm. so I think then we, you went to the Champions Trophy in South Africa yeah we ended up winning that game <clears throat> luckily then we went to Champions Trophy and Collingwood who was captain who lost his captaincy because of it and like subsequently I spoke to him he said it was that one of the darkest times yeah. in his life because he was just being smashed by the newspaper about the spirit of cricket. We went to the Champions Trophy, and it was a carbon copy of the Bearstow run It really is. It is exactly yeah. the same. It's the last ball of the over. Short ball. The batter is just walking out of his crease. He's not attempting a run, and the, the stumps are broken by McCullum. The laws, they go upstairs. The laws say it was out. He was out of his crease. He's obviously run out. That then there goes... There some black caps celebrating as if it was the greatest wicket they'd ever taken. Yep. So... the. The, the, the letter of the law said that Collingwood was out. We were in a huddle. Now it goes to the captain. The captain has to make a spirit of cricket decision here and assess everything that he saw. And there were three players in the huddle that were saying, yep, that's out, give it out. Um, and there was eight of us <laughs> saying, no, you can't give it out. And eventually, Vittori, who funnily enough is the assistant coach of the Australians <laughs> in the Ashes, he said, right, we'll call Collingwood back. So we called Collingwood back. So I got a Oh, taste. you sensed a chance to take the high ground, did you? Well, we sensed a chance of winning the Spirit of Cricket Award again. <laughs> <laughs> I just, you know, I just don't think it's the worst act I've seen. It's, it's, you know, I wouldn't be comfortable if I was an Australian, but... If we're arguing it, if we're arguing it, then 
the spirit of cricket was compromised. That's how I see it. Hmm. Let's hear from Simon Torfall a little okay. bit later. Okay, well, if, and if you believe they're going to adhere to the spirit of cricket, I think you're going to be disappointed for the rest of your life, mate. Thank you for all your calls in Texas Hour. Um, our Razine Cricket Chat, Swinging Both Ways, will feature in the next hour. Bob McMurray is going to talk motorsport with us as well between 11 and 12. Stay with us. It's nearly four minutes away from 11 o'clock. This is the Saturday session. Oh, I had to. We had to get some sacks for his final show. Ben Francis playing the hits week in, week out on a Saturday morning here on SCNZ. Spanking your season. speakers. If you're just uh, tuning into the show, where the heck have you been? It's Ben Francis' last show. He's sad. He's sad. He's emotional. Is he? Yeah, he's definitely. Wouldn't you be sad and emotional if you Maybe. were leaving our show? <laughs> the pause from you. Maybe not. Although you've been running so many other shows. No, I just... I actually don't know anymore if you are truly, you know, embedded in what Saturday. You mean? You've running so many other no, shows. You've done the... That's you know, afternoon run, you've done breakfast with Ricardo. We're filling in for a day or two here. It's, it's not running a show. Well, I'm glad that you're saying it was a fill-in, because, you know, you, you're you the leader of Pack, yeah. yeah. I've, 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 I've had to make a few calls putting together a, a roster for the, the, the FIFA Women's World Cup. Which How's that great. looking? Excellent. We're an amazing group. We, we are covering, and I know certain publications have, uh, you know, mentioned this, uh, this, this company um, in recent weeks. Uh, none of them have mentioned the commitment to live sport that this station has undertaken. Mm. Uh, far outstripping any other radio station New Zealand uh, sporting history, in my opinion. Wow. And I also worked for one for, for a very, very long time. For example, every single World Cup game, men's and women's, have been broadcast on radio and online. Gee, that's incredible. It's incredible. And are you heading that? No, I'm not heading. I'm part of the team. That's awesome. Part of a team, Grant. Excited? Yeah. Because you know who arrives today in our region, in Upper Hutt? Sweden. The Swedish women's team. They're going to the NZCIS. I was there during the week. Are you greeting them? No, but I did greet the NZCIS with a few cupcakes during the week just to say thank you for an invitation. Are you the new mayor? Wellington could be looking on on for a new mayor. But I did. I met met the mayor of Upper Hutt. Don't you know who I am? I met the mayor of Upper Hutt. Don't pay this bill. Don't be so stupid. <laughs> don't you know I don't pay bills? <laughs> Wayne Guppy was there. Good I met him. He's a great what man. champion. What an absolute champion. Uh, ben Francis, arms crossed, still in his position. Does, it, it doesn't want him. It doesn't want this to be about himself in any way, shape, or form. We do have a challenge for him. He has to forecast the remainder of the one New Zealand Warriors season in the NRL. Not now. He's still ruminating over it. He's, he's pondering it, unless, of course, he, he's got the answers right now. But we're going to force him to, to walk us through the remainder of the regular season games and tell us how the season concludes. Could be with glory. Could, could be with an NRL title. The number one, one New Zealand Warriors fan, Ben Francis, uh, will enlighten us on that a little bit later. Can we also get Ben Francis just to talk about his top three highlights of the show? Ooh, oh, that's easy. That is easy. Okay. Okay, okay well, we... strap yourself in. I'll just put the headlines to the side. This is more interesting. Okay, top three moments. Have you got them in your head? Uh, are you talking about from the show or are you talking about from my time at the station? 
Yeah, from your sh- from this show, from the Saturday session, the most important show. Where we, I, I we all would probably not in that top three. <laughs> no. and now That's why gonna, I said it has to be, be Saturday session. Uh, I, I think I think in terms of moments, I, I think we have to go number three was probably I really enjoyed doing the legend segment last year uh, with you guys, mm. getting some of those guys on, uh, and ladies of course doing the some of the absolutely incredible stories from. You know, the the highlights for me was that you know Kevin Campion with the with the radio and Stu Wilson <laughs> about Daphne. Daphne. Those are just two incredible <laughs> highlights. Uh, number two. <laughs> Uh, would have to be uh, the chili eating you guys took part in last year. Ooh. And I was kind of anticipating this was going to happen, so I've actually got the audio saved here from my favourite Saturday session moment. Would you like to hear it? Okay. Oh, no. My stomach never recovered from After that. us. I suffered yeah, most nights. Snake and Grant Elliott. Can, can you see, see the shirt that Grant Elliott's wearing? <laughs> it looks like toothpaste. It looks oh, like he's wearing toothpaste brilliant. on his body. This is brilliant. <laughs> he's, he's like, I know this. Can we, this can is we great. Grant on very quickly? Can we get oh. Grant? Surely, Grant, someone bought that shirt for Grant. Hey, Jav, is it a toothpaste themed shirt or? Listen, you f. <laughs> yep. <laughs> We'll be jumping that one and heading to the break. (laughs) And everyone thinks Grant Elliott is the nicest man in the world. He is. He he is. You know, I didn't know that we were live. I I had no idea. You took advantage of me. I was getting abused. It's a rookie decision. It's like not paying attention when you're batting against Australia, mate. You, You learn some valuable lessons. Yeah. Oh, are we still going on? We do have to still go on about this. But then those those three moments, I, I actually completely agree with you, except for number one, obviously. I love how you take uh, my least finest moment and put that in at number one. But the legend segment, I think, was amazing. Just listening to everyone's stories. And, and across the variety of sports we do. Yeah, but everyone's got a story. And I think like that's that's the beauty of life, is that everyone you sit next to, which is why I talk to you about sitting in the middle of the the pew um, or the chairs in, in an a aeroplane, you've got two opportunities to speak to someone. Interesting. But everyone's got a, st- a story and a journey in their life, and these sports stars, uh, amazing journeys and, and the f- funny stories that go with it. I just I fear that in the modern day of sport that we're losing a little bit of the characters in the game, but, yeah, the characters of old um, just absolutely did it for the love of the game. Let's get to the uh, latest in sports headlines at six minutes after 11 o'clock. The All Blacks open their 2023 campaign in Mendoza, uh, Argentina against the Pumas. Fun fact, there is a recent trend of New Zealand not winning the title in World Rugby Cup years, uh, which was the case in 2011, 2015 and 2019 Rugby Championships. Damien McKenzie won the race for the number 10 starting jersey with uh, Nawara, uh, the lone debutant on the right wing. And you can hear a special edition of Bleeding Black uh, with... Myself, from 9am tomorrow on SCNZ, where we will react to the first test of the year by hearing particularly from you, the fans, the most important people out there on 0800 811. Moving on, world number two, Germany, have fallen to a shock defeat to the Zambia in their final game before the FIFA Women's World Cup. Uh, this game was played in Germany as well. The lowest ranked team heading into the World Cup at number 77 um, <laughs> produced an upset 3-2 win over one of the tournament favourites after the star striker Barbara Bender raced through and scored a sensational solo goal in the 12th minute of stoppage time. 12 minutes. Germany won the World Cup in 2003 and seven have never finished lower than the top eight. And you can hear live coverage of the World Cup here on SCNZ. 
Key wickets late in the day how it puts England in with a chance of staying in contention of uh, in the ashes rather. It is a must-win game, of course, with Australia leading by two tests to nil. Best of five series. England need to win the series, not draw it, win the series uh, to win back the ashes. Um, Australia um, have finished day two at 116 for the loss of four with their second innings um, lead now at 142. Uh, ben Stokes, uh, top scoring in England's total of 237, uh, hitting 80, while Pat Cummins uh, picked up six wickets. Travis Head and first innings centurion uh, Mitchell Marsh um, survived their final 45 minutes to leave the test, and which win would seal the series for Australia, finally poised. That is the very latest in sports. Headlines to eight minutes after 11 o'clock. We've got a lot to get through this hour. Bob McMurray joins us in about uh, 30 minutes' time uh, to talk Shane Van Gisbergen and, and some other motorsports uh, topics, including Formula One, which is at Great Britain this weekend, the uh, Great British uh, Grand Prix. Uh, but after the break, uh, in association with uh, Rosine, it is the Saturday Session Cricket Update. Swinging both ways, as we like to call it, thanks to Rosine. Time to paint, get a quality finish with Rosine Paints, decorating Kiwi homes since 1946. Back after this, nine minutes after 11. The Saturday Session Cricket Update. Thanks to Rosine for expert paint and colour advice. No lack of uh, cricketing topics to discuss. Welcome in to the Saturday Session Cricket Update. Thanks to Razine. Swinging both ways is affectionately uh, called, isn't it, uh, Grant Elliot? There's lots of topics to discuss. We've already touched on uh, the ashes in our talkback hour. That's a hotbed topic of uh, the besto stumping. Um, but I don't want to start with the ashes. I want to start about quali- with qualification for the uh, the ICC Cricket World Cup, the, the 50-over tournament being hosted in uh, India, the men's tournament I'm uh, talking about here. Uh, two-time winners, the West Indies, will not be at a Cricket World Cup. A real sign of the times, isn't it, Grant? You feel that that would be the highlight at the moment. I'd say it is for West Indies. You know, you look at their team, and I don't, I don't know if anyone was watching, but one of our, uh, our local Wellingtonians was involved in a, a dramatic finish to the game. It was a super over, West Indies versus the Netherlands. And that was probably a, a small little turning point, I guess, in, in this tournament for them. Because Jason Holder subsequently went home to prepare for one day because they knew that they couldn't qualify. But um, Logan Van Beek was the batter involved. And he hit 31 off the super over. He hit Jason Holder for 31. and um, Incredible then he, performance. Then he ended up bowling the Super Over and got two wickets, and they knocked West Indies out. But it's just the, the West Indies, it probably shows, and Darren Sammy said, you know, as coach, he's like, it's an indication of where we are we're at at the moment in the world of cricket. They're never coming back, are they? Well, and that breaks my, you know, 10-year-old self's heart. Mm-hmm. But what I will say is I think that what West Indies is showing is the future of the cricketing landscape where all their top players have gone and played uh, Oh, there's a lot of T20. good... Yeah, yeah, there's a lot of very good West Indian cricketers who who will make, you know, have, have successful careers. But that team itself, they only won one of five games, Grant, in the Super Six. They didn't just miss out. They, they, they got nowhere. So Sri Lanka and the Netherlands will go to the World Cup joining marquee sides. Um, Scotland, Zimbabwe, the West Indies and Omar made the fight, uh, the Super Six. Uh, Scotland, Zimbabwe, West Indies, Omar miss out. The West Indies won one game. Well, they lost. Sri Lanka won all five. 
They lost to Scotland, so obviously they carry points through from the teams that they've played. They lost to Scotland and then obviously lost to um, the Netherlands. Um, they beat Oman, so they, they won by seven wickets there. Um, and then they lost to Sri Lanka as well. Sri Lanka beat them by eight wickets in Super 6. So they deserve to not be there, but I think it's a surprise inclusion. You wouldn't have said the Netherlands would have, would have got up, so... <clears throat> exciting for the Netherlands and it has been a very exciting qualifiers if anyone has been watching it uh, extremely exciting in Zimbabwe uh, Mitch McLennigan was there he was covering it uh, the broadcast so yeah th those two teams will be playing in the final I think they play in the final in the next day or so um, at 7pm on Sky Sport 3 so that will be an exciting game but nothing really to play for I guess in terms it'll just be whoever finishes top will go to a certain table or um, uh, division in the World Cup and, and uh, they'll see which one they'll be in. And the World Cup's obviously in India. So India, everything to play for there, different conditions, spin-friendly conditions, and uh, New Zealand, I think that we're pretty much sorted for our team there. Got our squad, but we obviously were without Kane Williamson. Uh, and the White Ferns have, uh, of course, been uh, taking on Sri Lanka, starting off in a, with a one-day series now, isn't it? And last Saturday, we were just reflecting on game number two, how they bounced back after a disappointing mm. first result. Uh, they bounced back to win uh, game number two by 116 runs. There were hundreds, of course, uh, to uh, Melikur and, I think, uh, Sophie Devine, batting at three and four, respectively. And you thought, right, they're, they're fine, they're going to be fine. Uh, roll around game number three, the White Ferns in a heavily impacted game by rain, uh, only managed 127 for two off 31 overs. Uh, Duckworth Lewis set um, Sri Lanka uh, a huge total of 196, I think it was. And uh, the star of game number one, um, Jamari Athapattu, then scored 140 off 80 balls. Yeah. 13 fours and nine sixes. What an incredible week she's had. Yeah, I mean, to get 140 out of 196, but also... I thought that that was over, and like I looked at the score and I thought, okay, well, it's obviously rain affected because it was on late at night. But um, to, to be able to duck with Clueless to make it 196, I was like, how did they get that score? But then again, if you, you're 127 for two after 31 overs, which is where New Zealand were at, and they had Bates in at 63, not out, and Devine in on 38, you think, okay, well, yeah, maybe that they would have actually, you know, taken the sword to Sri Lanka and they hadn't quite put the foot down yet. So Sri Lanka to get up, I mean, that's a huge upset. They've got the T20s coming up now, but it's quite a big upset for New Zealand. I think they'll be, if they're honest with themselves, they'll be quite disappointed with that uh, that loss of the series. And that uh, series starts this weekend now, doesn't it? Mm. But, uh, you know, interesting times for sure, Sid. At, at times you just got to, um, you know, accept someone played a bit of a blinder, but... Um, no more worrying signs out for the White Ferns, has to be said. Starts this afternoon, 4.30pm, Sri Lanka versus New Zealand, the White Ferns. And um, I found it on YouTube, actually. Yeah, it's being live streamed. So if you go to the yeah. New Zealand Cricket website, there's actually a link to the live stream. So you can uh, you can stream it that way. All right, there's some of the other uh, international news uh, making headlines. But at the top of the table, and rightly so, because, uh, A, the history of it, the two teams involved, and the quality of cricket they have displayed, the Ashes are certainly is the main course. But we're... It's a big meal, though, Grant. It's quite a big plate. It is. It's huge. I think the first thing I want to start off with, I don't want to start off with the controversial side of things. I want to start off with the strategy. 
So the strategy of things, England started playing on low, flat wickets that were probably conducive to spin. We saw Lyon get eight wickets. Then we saw Lyon get injured. And they played, the first two games were quite similar kind of wickets. We saw James Anderson lose his spot. He said he's never had a dry spell like that, you know, in his 160-game uh, career. Um, and now we see a change of tact. We see a pitch that's quite bouncy. It's got a lot of pace. They bring Mark Wood back into the team. Everyone goes, why was he playing in the first game? Well, he was injured. He was injured. So he couldn't play in the first game. He was only available for the third test. And miraculously, when he's available, the, the pitch is what, a bit faster. and A little bit quicker, but... She was bowling with gas. Wasn't that amazing to see? I, I, God, I wish I could bowl fast, Grant. Yeah. For all the money in the world. When you, I'd love to be able to bowl fast. I, I told you um, on the phone this week, I said, you know, I stayed up for the Ashes just to watch Mark Wood. So when Ben Stokes won the toss, had a bowl, obviously on a green one, um, I thought I've got to watch this because I want to see Mark Wood running in because he is by far the quickest bowler I've seen going around the circuit at the moment. He bowled one at 96.5 miles an hour. I don't know how fast that is. Um, I'll try and convert it while I, I talk, but... Um, what is that? I think that I think it's over 150. Um, but whatever it is, it's absolutely rapid. And his first delivery, he bowled 146 k's an hour, and it had the perfect seam of the red duke. Seam was upright, and it swung away. And I was like, oh, he's in business here. It's 155 k's an hour. Thank you, Daniel, for that conversion. Uh, oh, thank you very much. And his next ball was. Is his accuracy, so he's extended his run-up, and he's got accuracy, but he's got just raw pace. So we saw the introduction of Mark Wood. Mo and Ali's come back because they've reattached his finger onto his hand after the first test when we saw uh, he hadn't bowled anything more than four overs with a kookaburra in T20 cricket, so the Duke ball was quite harsh on, on, on him being recalled. So now they call in Wokes and Wood, and I'm still, I think to myself, and Mo and Ali, it's the best balanced team, but it's probably a better team on a flatter wicket to take on the Aussies because I feel that Cummins has finally got into his rhythm now. And we saw, if you, if you watch the highlights of cricket, uh, the, the Ashes test and how the English got out, the Aussies just go to bounces now. They just go, right, okay, they've got enough runs on the board, let's go short, and eventually we'll get someone out. Mo and Ali, or he, you know, hit out. And their modus operandi is to just play every delivery, like Duckett. Duckett, I think uh, the stat was he had left four balls out of 605 or something in his test in 2023. So they're going to play at it. And that's what the Aussies are playing to now, is that they'll just go short, wait for them to almost hole out. And um, Harry Brooks sort of did that in a, in a very... Um, unfashionable way in the last test so I think the Aussies are on top England are fighting back it's great to see Broad dismiss Warner because I love a matchup and Warner was just laughing on his way out but that was a laugh of anger it's not really, it's not really a matchup at the moment is it well no it isn't it isn't I'm shooting a fish in a barrel for, for Stuart Broad yeah well, it's quite extraordinary and and you, you know you think he wakes up in the middle of the night Stuart still leave me alone those cricketing yeah. nightmares sporting nightmares no, but what he would have done, Daniel, is he would have prepared for this test series. He would have been preparing for this test series, and he would have said, right, how can I eliminate the ways that I got out to Stuart Broad? 
you know, he's starting to walk towards the off stump now. And he, yeah, both ways he got out. He's tried. Test. He's tried things. Yeah, but both ways were exactly the same. So it's back to the drawing board. And you start doubting yourself when, when you've got a matchup like that. You really do start doubting yourself. But you can't take things away from Stokes, the way he's leading this team. Uh, he's playing an aggressive brand. And I think the only way you can beat Australia is with that aggressive brand. If you try and sit there and play proper cricket, but I'll come back to what we said last week, and that is it's calculated aggression. Aggression at the right time. If Cummins isn't the man to take on, then who is? Because Stark also, he's been getting wickets through just being aggressive and making sure that the English play. Maybe see them off. Let them bowl a couple of overs. Get them tired. Get some overs in their legs before you take them on the third session maybe. Um, but I do see Australia dominating England here, but it's definitely it's captivating the nation and it's getting people to the ground, which is, is awesome. Um, now, correct me if I'm wrong, but England haven't lost an Ashes series since 2001 in England. Um, so this team, can you herald them as one of the great England teams at the moment? There's a lot of people that are no very... Very, um, I'm not angry, but uh, disillusioned with the way that they're playing. They're is calling that, it is reckless. That, is that fair, considering the success they had prior to the Ashes? If people got short memories of of how bad they were before they embraced this new, yeah, but this did, new way, had they faced anyone bowling over 140 k's an hour at high speed and well, yes, the but accuracy that the not the Australian ability to do it all day like Australia. No. Yeah, you, know, you let them in. You give them a slight. You leave that door slightly ajar, and then suddenly they're in. Like, look at Mitchell Marsh's hundred. I don't know if you what watch that. That was a guy has had his critics. That's what. That's one of the best knocks. Did you hear what he said? I've seen it in a while. After the knock, they're like, "Oh, what do you think about you know the next test? You scored a hundred. He said, "No, I'm happy to go on my European holiday and get Cam Green back in the team." So, I mean, to have someone that comes in, but I must admit, he played an aggressive game. I think it was his, se- ball stuff. his second ball. It was back of a length, and he tried to plow, I think it was Stokes, out of the ground. Um, or, 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 sorry, Wokes, out of the ground. So he just went out there and went, well, I'm not going to get much of an opportunity. I might as well take it with both hands and be aggressive. Play a bit of Mitch ball. Are they being reckless, England, or just doing what's best for them? What, what do you think? I, I think that I love the way that they're being aggressive, but I do think that it needs to be... Choosing your moment, because there's been moments in the, the test where they go, oh, you know, if we had got through that moment, in the last test they, they lost wickets in, in pockets, wickets in succession. And if you want to be able to put sustained pressure on teams, you can't lose wickets in succession. You need to create partnerships, draw the game out a little bit longer. And I think there's times where the Australians have gone, and it's mainly been the short ball stuff, where they've gone, right, we're just going to go short, bring on Stark, bring on Cummins, just bowl shorts, put the men out, and just wait for them to hit it into the hands of the fielders, which they've done. So I think in those periods, well, what if they do just sway away from it for a while instead of you know taking the game to the Australians all the time? Because there's times in cricket where you have to say to the opposition, you have to think, they're on top of us here. I've got to respect the opposition and actually just give them this moment. I can still be positive in different ways. That might just be positive defense and looking for singles and rotating the strike. But not looking to just launch the ball out of the uh, out of the ground. So 
I think they'll look back at it and, and say, I think the bowling attacks now with Wood, and I like Wokes as a player. And Mo, Mo, it's a different looking Australia, uh, English attack with Wood. Just you bring Wood in at such a point oh. of difference, and I'm sorry to labour the point, but what we have said over the last couple of weeks with the attack we saw in game number one and two, um, we had questions over consistently being able to take 20 wickets because they had to win tests. And, and after the second one, they had to win three. Yeah, and they just they just look a different an animal with the ball in hand. They do, but when England do well on a pitch like this, then I think well Australia are going to do better. So that's that's the thing. That's the uphill battle. I think England have got. I, and you mentioned it earlier. You said Australia are a better team, and I think they are. Oh, that's uh, how it's played out. Australia winning a really gripping first test by two wickets, forty three runs, and that uh, you know drama filled, controversial, uh, controversial. Second test match, winning that by 43 runs. We've touched on it briefly, uh, the run out, but what about Ben Stokes? 155, nine fours, nine sixes. What is it with his ability to stand up on the big occasion? It seems like when he's got his back like really against the wall, he seems to step up. Um, he's got ice running through his veins, but it's also those moments, I guess, where as a batter, sometimes you think, well, I can't get any worse. Let me just have a dip. And he does. He just, you know, he's attacking and he's hitting the ball out of the stadium and he just keeps going and he's in that, that mood. But to have conviction to play a brand of cricket like that when you've got the back, your back against the wall, I think is so impressive. And what makes it even more impressive is the concentration and focused reserves that you have as captain because you're making decisions all the time. And I always think that you've got a reserve of decision making and focus during the day and when you're captain because you're making decisions all the day all the all the time that reserve just gets depleted which is why someone like Fleming I think you know he he didn't score as many hundreds because he was he had to concentrate the whole time your concentration you've only got so much in reserve so for him to do what he does as captain is, is extremely impressive and he's then, done it in four, all forms and all stages the mm-hmm. biggest stages of them all and he's given up one day cricket and it's, it's incredible his ability to perform yeah and pressure mm. now, I, if you were to you know, sketch a list of top five athletes going around in a time of crisis uh he, he gets on my list very early Donny, him yeah he, he, incredible I, I think hayden writes a nice point on double eight double three hour temper beer post text machine Gents, I don't think the criticism of England playing basketball is fair. I think man for man, Australia are a far better team. I believe being aggressive has kept them competitive. Playing more conservatively, in my opinion, the Australians will smoke them. Appreciate your thoughts, uh, Hayden. Lastly, final word on the stumping. We had plenty of uh, reaction in our talkback hour. How long do I have? Well, you've got about four minutes. Is that <coughs> okay. Well, what I will say is that Simon Tolfall, he went on a, an umpiring rant and... When you spoke about your rub the wrong way, you were bang on. It's the laws of the game. Besto was out. Besto was out. And uh, you can't deny that he left his crease and he shouldn't have. What I will say, though, and that's what Simon Torfall was saying. He was going through the rules of the game. and He said it was out and Stark's catch and he was talking about hypocrisy. He made He made seven points. His first one was... Have you seen any umpire telling a fielding side that the keeper standing back is not allowed to attempt a stumping? Of course not. That's in the rules of the game. Was there a complaint from anyone when Bairstow tried to stump Minus exactly the same way in the first innings? No, but that was different because Minus was standing out of his crease. 
And also, this was the last standing out of, of his crease before the ball. Before the ball, the ball. Yeah, yeah. And and also, this was the last ball of the over. He says, "What has Johnny Besto said about his dismissal? He's been very quiet. Why? Well, because he knows he was out." My experience is, is when people don't like a dismissal under the laws of cricket, they cite spirit of cricket to support their view. Which part of the codified preamble, the spirit of cricket, was breached by the fielding side? And he goes on. That's a fair point. But what I would say is that, one, he's Australian, Simon Toffel. <laughs> okay. And two, he hasn't said anything about the umpires. And umpires always look after umpires. Now... I've said it before on the show. The umpire at the non-striker's end went to grab his hat. That signals end of the over to me. It's almost he has to say over. Were they saying over audibly after every over? Well, Grant, no, they weren't. Being such a disciple of the spirit of cricket, which you've referred, obviously uh, painted yourself as, you would know that respect is central to the, sp- uh, the spirit of cricket. Respect your captain, teammates, opponents, and the authority of the umpires. Play hard and play fair, and accept the umpire's decision. He did that. Oh, I don't. He walked think, off I, the I field. I don't think the English have accepted the decision at all. No, they've accepted. So they're against the spirit of the cricket preamble themselves. Well, they've accepted the decision, but they haven't accepted the spirit of cricket. Go read it. (laughs) Go read the preamble. I've read it lots over the years. I've been in that situation before, and every single time I would have called Besto back because it's the last ball of the over. You're a lovely guy, though. And I say that with all sincerity. And I don't pay you compliments nearly enough. No, you don't. I was in the spirit of (laughs) cricket. I was in a spirit of cricket decision that I had to make as captain against Surrey. Um, Aaron Finch was batting. I think I mentioned it on the show before. He was batting and absolutely pumping it. He got 140 uh, the game before, but pulled his calf muscle. But miraculously, he ended up playing against us. Now, you, this was at the time where you were not allowed a runner. So first ball of the game. He goes back, turns it to a fine leg, runs through. Oh, my leg's gone. So we're like, oh, is it that's the same injury? Even if it isn't, as a player, you're going to know it's a different injury. Of course it was a different injury. He comes up to me. Now it's him and Jason Roy opening the batting. Crucial game. He goes, can I have a runner? Now the rules of the game said no. But the spirit of cricket was like I could allow him to have a runner. I probably, if I was win at all costs, I would have said, nah, carry on, mate, without a runner. Gave him a runner. They ended up getting 110 of seven overs. He was just standing there and absolutely smashing it to all corners. You ever trust an Australian cricketer? You offer them an olive branch, he'll hit you to all parts of the crowd, mate. But I think I upheld the spirit of cricket then. Good for you. Proud of you. Yeah. Did you we, win? We won that game. You did? We won that game, yeah. Cricket, you know, God was a cricket fan that day. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant stuff. Thank you so much, Grant. Always appreciate your insights into the game. You know ever so well. The Saturday Sessions Cricket Update. We'll swing in both ways, if you will. Thanks to Razine. Time to paint. Get a quality finish with Razine Paints. Decorating Kiwi homes since 1946. It is 21 minutes away from 12 o'clock. After 12 o'clock, we'll turn our attention to the international rugby season, which kicks off tomorrow morning with the All Blacks, for the All Blacks, rather, taking on Argentina, of course. Uh, plenty of other games are floating around. It's time to rip into the international uh, season. We'll catch up with the former Scottish international, of course, uh, part of the uh, SCNZ stable during our rugby, uh, Super Rugby coverage. Mr Gordon Simpson, the Badger, is going to join us uh, to preview uh, the All Blacks and uh, maybe look at, you know... Great nickname. The, the cast of international rugby. It's going to be quite an entertaining 
um, year a hit. Huge week of motorsport here in New Zealand, of course. We sort of reveled in, in glory. Even, even uneducated people like myself, Grant. Uh, Shane Van Gisbergen's incredible uh, start to his uh, NASCAR uh, career, winning in his uh, first uh, race. Uh, Formula One hits uh, Great Britain. You being New Zealand's you know, foremost uh, Formula One expert, well, that's what you like to tell us. Uh, we're going to uh, catch up with a man who's only spent 40-odd years in motorsport. There, there is not much this man has not seen and covered. An extraordinary career in motorsport, and we're delighted to welcome him into the programme. Uh, I would argue New Zealand's leading Formula One expert. Here is Mr. Bob McMurray, who joins the show. Great to chat to you again, Bob. How are you doing? Good day, Bob. Hey, Daniel. Hey, Grant. Good to speak to you again, Daniel. Haven't spoken to you for some time. It's been too long, my friend. You're keeping, you're keeping out of mischief. You're still sniffing way too much petrol. <laughs> I've got over that bit now. Now I inject it. But yeah, yeah, yeah it's, uh, it's been a while, but heavily involved in the Toyota Racing Series and the Kiwi Driver Fund trying to find money to support young drivers in this country to get where others have got. So, um, yeah, busy enough, man. Yeah, always busy, always involved. Uh, you, you, I thought of you immediately of, of someone who can really add sort of context. For, for fans like me, sort of dip in and out of motorsport, don't really understand, you know, the, the true sort of um, uh, meaning behind successes like we saw from Van Gisbergen uh, just a few days ago. This, guy, this guy's resume across so many dis- forms of the sport, truly extraordinary. But that race and that um, competition, yeah, in of itself, how significant is that one? I, I think the achievement, his achievement, it is would have to go up with the very top achievements of any race driver in any formula in any country in in, in the world at any time. Uh, a remarkable performance to um, to go over their mid-season from what he normally does and to come away with a win, absolutely superb, and come away with a, a good qualifying as well. I mean, that's important. And please do not think I'm ever going to take anything away from Shane doing that. Magnificent. But just look at the other side of the ledger a little bit. If he was sitting um, with his feet up on a coffee table thinking, if I go do NASCAR, what is the best thing I can do? I can hope for a street track where the NASCAR drivers do not race on street tracks, never have. I can hope for a new track where they have never been. Yeah, well, that's all that levels the playing field completely. I can hope for something that is a tight track, you know, walls really close to you. Yep, yeah, okay, that was Chicago. Oh, and then just to add to it, maybe I'd like it to uh, rain a bit and be a bit damp and all sorts of things. <laughs> now, that would be up my street, and that's exactly what happened for him. Exactly what happened for him. Now, he was put back in the pack, 18th position or something like that, and that was a bit of a worry, obviously, because those guys kind of, play for keeps a lot of of, uh, time in those old cars Uh, big five litre monsters with uh, there's no longer you know old boys from the south there are a lot of savvy young uh, race drivers these days but the way Shane came through them and and absolutely decimated their uh, their cornering speed with his talents and all the rest of it was just magnificent but you know if you were if you were Shane and you were hoping for a race to pan out in front of you like it did couldn't be better, could it, to be honest? But what a wonderful thing. Five and a half million people watched him do it. And um, yeah, he's made his name in NASCAR, even if he doesn't go back. And it looks like he is going to go back at some point in the future. Bob, so what you're saying is this is the greatest motorsport victory of all time. That's what I heard at the, at the start. I mean, this is, this is something that is almost unequaled. 
Yeah, Grant, I, I would say it's not the greatest. It's got, a, it's got to be up there with somebody leaping from one, um, one formula, we'll call it, to another and a very established one, uh, just a one-off and winning. I mean, it's not been done for 60 years in NASCAR. Johnny Rutherford wow. uh, was the last person to do it. And Johnny Rutherford, you know, nice. uh, people, the, the names in that, uh, in, in that sphere of influence are, rem are huge. So, yeah, it's got to be one of the greatest, I think, drives of uh, anybody, anytime. One-off. I mean, there are others. I can quote all sorts sure. of things with it and Senna and indie drives and all sorts of stuff. But if you put them in the in the top 10 somewhere, it's in that bracket. It really is for the achievement, not necessarily all the other bits and pieces, but the achievement to do that. Remarkable. So, Bob, I mean, you, you mentioned young drivers coming through and, you know, trying to get them to, to the levels that someone like Van Gisbergen's at. But why is he so special? Because surely the cars have a lot to do with, with the driver, driver's ability, and we see that in Formula One. What makes him so special that we can try and replicate here in New Zealand or around the world with drivers? Uh, well, Shane, you know, from South Auckland, Pukekohe area, um, he is not only good in supercars or the old supercars or the new ones. I mean, he's having trouble with this new piece that they're, they're running, which I'm not really... Um, yeah, it's okay. It's there. Uh, but he has whatever whatever he has done in motorsport. I mean, he was rallying a little while ago in in the WRC that came here, and he did pretty well in that. He does quad bike uh, racing. He does slot car racing. He does all sorts of racing. I the guy has got an in, inert talent um, that uh, is almost difficult to replicate. All sorts of people can go and stick with a single-seater career. But Shane was in the Toyota Racing Series many years ago with um, Daniel Gaunt, and he won in that as well. So uh, unfortunately, he got too big for single-seaters, unlike uh, McLaughlin, who you know fits a single-seater. Shane, I think, would have great trouble getting in one. He's a big lad, is Shane. But even if he took up that uh, profession as a, as a skill, he would succeed in that. He just has an in, innate ability. It's like you always say, you know, if we all picked up a violin and we're given an hour's instruction, we could probably pluck the strings, but we'd never be any great master at, 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 um, at playing a violin. There are some mm. people who can do it better than others. Simple as that. He can do what he does better than others. Brilliant. Great great to get uh, some perspective on it, Bob, and, and you've uh, painted a wonderful picture there. Truly extraordinary uh, athlete and incredible at what he does. Uh, Formula One uh, this weekend hits uh, Great Britain. Grant, this is time, time for you to shine. Hey, uh, Bob, uh, Lewis Hamilton says he still has 100% faith in Mercedes. I'd like to know what percentage faith do you have in Mercedes? Well, not a lot for this weekend, but the way it's going, um, they are um, they're in trouble. There's no doubt about that. Um, they're a lot of uh, things have happened at Silverstone this weekend. First of all, I've got to say the remarkably um, good bit and the most unusual bit is every picture I've seen has got a blue sky. I mean, for goodness sake, this is Silverstone. <laughs> you know, but I think, I think we might have that to come. Um, they've introduced... Mercedes are struggling this year anyway, regardless, and they keep trying to change things on the car and improve things, and, and that car is never going to work perfectly. Um, but unfortunately, this weekend, they brought in some new construction tyres. Not Mercedes, but Pirelli have brought in new construction tyres as well. 
Um, and the track at Silverstone is very smooth, and that's all built up to the fact that the the Mercedes cars are the back end is sliding and the front end ain't gripping. Um, and if you uh, you put those two things together, the new construction tire is clearly not suiting the Mercedes cars. It has suited some other cars. Williams, I mean, they're not going to stay there, but Alex Albon uh, was third fastest in the second session. And uh, even Logan Sargent, who is uh, a major rookie at the game, he was fifth, fifth fastest. Now, this is a Williams we're talking about, um, which has been you know picked at the back of the pack kind of permanently for a few years. Yes, they're improving, but you know you don't improve that quickly overall. So there are clearly uh, things that suit some cars there and do not suit others. Uh, and the Mercedes, they are struggling to to get the thing going. I, you know, Lewis Hamilton puts a very brave face on it these days because of his lovely, placid nature that he seems to have uh, taken <laughs> on board. Um, <laughs> so, but but you can still see in those eyes he's thinking, shit, why have I got to actually make an excuse for this car every time I go out? Every and, week. Uh, every... That's not a, not a good thing. Well, uh, like you, how you always used to blame your bat, Grant. Yeah, I always used to blame my bat, uh, Bob. But uh, I, I did see a blow up between Hamilton and Toto Wolf, where they, they were talking about the vehicle, and he's sitting in fourth now uh, behind Alonso. But Max Verstappen's unstoppable. Uh, is anyone going to beat him at Silverstone? I think he gets most more stress when he's watching Shane Van Gisburg and then actually racing in Formula. <laughs> Yeah, I think, yeah, from what he was saying about screaming at the TV. Oh, well, I, can't, I, I can see that Verstappen being beaten this year. But to, to say he's going to be beaten on pace is, uh, is a pretty wild call because that car is working extremely well and extremely well. And, and there you have a parallel with um, Verstappen and Shane Van Gisbergen. Uh, Shane Van Gisbergen's partners never seem to get as much out of a car as he does. Uh, and he does all sorts of things and he's very fast. And if you look at Max Verstappen's partner, Sergio Perez, he's having a mare of a season, frankly. I mean, he was only six points behind Verstappen when it came to, to Miami. And um, all of a sudden he's, he's floundering in the distance. He hasn't made the top three in qualifying for the last four races, whatever it is. So he's yeah. floundering. They've got the same equipment. They're doing the same thing. Um, but you know, it's, um, when when Sergio is picking up his violin at the moment, it's plucking instead of playing, and Max is playing. <laughs> Simple as that. Brilliant stuff, Bob. Great to hear your voice. Thank you for your time, your insights. Hopefully, Grant, you know, passed the test. Did it do all right? <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, okay, good. Yeah, <laughs> there you go. Well done, Grant. I don't know how positive that was, Bob. Yeah, you, no, you, you turn it into a positive, my friend. Thanks so much, Bob. Travel safe, mate. Take it easy. All right. Thanks, Bob. We are coming up towards the top of the hour. That means uh, after this very short break in about 40 seconds, uh, Grant Elliott will be into the final hour of the show, our final uh, hour of the show ever with our wonderful producer, Mr. Ben Francis. We are truly emotional. He will, tell, he will predict the future. He will predict the future for us. He will tell us what will happen to the one New Zealand Warriors from here on in. He's oh. been thinking long and hard. He hasn't been thinking long and hard. He'll just, uh, you know, shoot from the hip, I, I, I'm sure. Uh, Gordon Simpson looks at the uh, first All Blacks test of the year against Argentina. Uh, the former Scottish international uh, might offer some thoughts too on the, the general space of international footy. It is, It was a wild year in international rugby in 2022. Will that continue? Um, I, I certainly think so. And that uh, bodes well if you want an even rugby World Cup. It doesn't bode well if you want fingernails. It's going to be pretty stressful. All that's still to come in the last hour of the show. 
We're on to the afternoon, bang on 12 o'clock. Welcome aboard the final hour of the show. This is the Saturday session on SENZ in association with our dear friends Rum and Q. Mm-mm-mm, they are good, Grant. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's not barbecue season, but it just makes you want to barbecue. It does. Rum and Q, award-winning rub sauces and seasoning. I lined them all up this morning, didn't I? I had them next to me and I was looking at the ramrod and the rib rocker. I'm going to smash the Dirty Bird this week. That's my focus, the Dirty Bird. Yeah, it looks good. I haven't tried that. I, I just brought it home. And there's a pack in there. There's a nice little sauce as well. I saw a nice little... There's the meat juice, obviously, which is unbelievable. Who doesn't love the meat juice? You love a bit of I love of meat putting juice. my meat juice everywhere. And there was this one that was hidden away. It's a umami, which is a port and black garlic finishing oh, sauce. Stop it, Grant Elliott. <laughs> final hour of the show, final hour with Ben Francis, our wonderful producer. He'll be in tears. He will be in tears. I think he's ordering an Uber now. I, th- I think he's already <laughs> sort of trying to get out the door as quickly as possible. I, I, no, uh, I, I have a sneaking suspicion tears will not be seen this 60 minutes. No, I, I just got seen an Uber Eats voucher and I was thinking, I don't, I actually don't think, I, I don't think Uber Eats actually del- delivers to my house. What? Because where, where, where have you, where are you living? I live in Whangaparaa. I've, I've, far as I'm aware, Ooh, Uber Eats right. doesn't come out there. So I was just trying to see if uh, they actually did. <laughs> Deliver it to the studio. So you were on the phone to Uber, kind of. Well, I, I was having a little... That's quite ironic. Yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> I, I thought you could see my screen. That's why I thought. That's why I mentioned it. <laughs> no. No, not at all. I know. I, I, not at all. I, I, I wish I could see your screen through our little boxy screens. Um, Craig has a text through, Ben. Craig is shooting for the stars. Good, good luck to you, Craig. I think I know what the uh, the answer to this mm. is going to be. Ben cannot leave without revealing his middle name. Inspired by that tremendous long room hoax, my final guess is Saint John, pronounced Sinjin. What is it, Ben? Are you going to reveal your middle name? We went through a painstaking. He's not going to he's episode going to, he's where tease us again. Our listeners were all guessing. I think we had Horatius, we had Bartholomew, some crackers. Some serious names thrown out, but you still didn't reveal it. Is it. Are you going to leave without revealing it? Grant Elliott, Daniel McCarty, I am taking oh, it David to my grave. Elliott. Daniel Charles McCarty, for the record. Mm. Okay. Is it, like, is it embarrassing? No, I just At don't least. like it. Okay. I, no. I put it this way. I think it's, like a, it's, like a, it's just basic and white. That's all I can say. <laughs> John. Fred. BJ. Ben John. Perfect. The whitest and boringest name in the world. Text through your suggestions to double eight, <laughs> double three. We'll get to the latest in sports headlines right now. Stay there, Ben. We'll get to you in just a second, my friend. You've got a big a big assignment we want to hear from you. Uh, Andy Murray. Oh, Sir Andy Murray to you, Grant Elliott. Murray Mount. Uh, was unable to uh, hide um, crushing disappointment after his painful second round loss to Stefanos Tsitsipas. At Wimbledon and could not guarantee he will play again in the tournament after leading by two sets to one in a match postponed by a Wimbledon's 11pm curfew. You've got to be home by 11pm, too much pims. And, you know, you've been to Wimbledon, you know how it all works, mate. You can't, you can't stay beyond 11. Uh, Murray considered the final two sets, uh, two sets of pass, uh, the fifth seat, losing 7-6, 6-7, 4-6, 7-6, 6-4. Novak Djokovic uh, cruised through uh, with a victory over a former uh, Grand Slam winner, uh, in fact, two-time Grand Slam winner, Stan Wawrinka. Uh, key wickets late in the days uh, kept st- uh, England in fighting spirits, the Ashes. Uh, actually, 
I didn't ask oh, you in the last in our cricketing segment. I wanted to, to finish off with this. Give me the give me the Ashes scoreline. It's four uh, one for me. Four one. Unless there's weather, um, I think it'll be five nil. Oh, have you just gone, Glenn McGrath? Yeah, I don't. I just can't see. Um, uh, and and a significant <laughs> injury. I think you know Cummins yep. or Stark. You know, so you can only predict it test after test. But Lion, say, Lion's not a significant injury. That is a significant injury. Um, but I still think Australia, as one of our um, texts, uh, texted in, he said they're better than England, and I think they are. Uh, the lead is 142. Australia ending the day at 116 for four in their second inning. So 142, six wickets still in hand. Travis Head and Mitchell Marsh uh, surviving the last 45 minutes. Um, will resume play uh, here, ball-by-ball ball commentary, um, right here on SCNZ. John Johnson is also a confirmed starter to become just the fifth player to make 200 appearances for the one New Zealand Warriors. He was in doubt for the match with his wife due to give birth to their second child. Utility Dylan Walker will make his 200th uh, NRL appearance. Uh, prop Adam Fanua Blake will bring up 150 games. And get this, Hooker Wayne Egan plays his 100th game. Celebrations all around. How do you honour them? Like, does the 200 run out first? And then the second 200? And then 150? I don't, I don't know how you honour them. It's more the way that these guys party. I wonder how they're going to honour them after the game. Because who was the team last weekend that they, they said that they had the 200th celebration and may have pushed the boats out a little bit too far the night before? <laughs> Brilliant stuff. Uh, that is the latest in sports headlines. I should finish off by telling you live coverage on SENZ <coughs> from 7pm tonight for that game. Come in, the number one, one New Zealand Warriors fan. That is Mr. Ben, insert middle name Francis, who is leaving us today for passes new. Uh, we wanted him to forecast the future. Tell us exactly what happens to the New Zealand Warriors uh, from today forward, uh, Ben. Uh, just reminding the audience of the game still to come. Of course, uh, the game tonight from 7 o'clock uh, up against the Eels. Uh, the Warriors currently in 8th position, and then the Eels are 6th, if I'm not mistaken. Then you visit the Sharks, who are near the top of the table. The Raiders also um, you know, in the playoff hunt. The Titans, too, uh, also in the hunt. And then uh, a softer end to the draw with games against the, uh, the Tigers, Seagulls, Dragons, and Dolphins. All right, Ben. You've seen the future. You've predict, predicted the future. Tell us what happens from here on in. Okay. Uh, I think the Warriors bounce back tonight. I'm just not 100% convinced with the Eels missing so many key players. Uh, and I also uh, really want the Eels to get beat because I don't really like the Eels. Fair uh, enough. I like a bit of competitiveness. It's good. Next, next weekend is going to be tricky against the Sharks because I kind of feel like the Sharks will have that game from earlier this year on the back of their mind. Uh, oh, which, true. Which the Warriors came back and won. So I, I actually think the Sharks might pip that one, to be honest. Um, yep. Then I will go the Raiders. Oh, sorry. I'll pick the Warriors to beat the Raiders at home. Then, of course, the, the, the Warriors got the bye that week after. It's a guaranteed two points. And then from there in, uh, I think that they will win. The only game I have a real headache about is the Seagulls, and that is just because of the Warriors' track record against the Seagulls, to be honest. But I think the Warriors would win. I think they can beat the tie. I think they could win the rest of those games, to be honest. So what's that? Eight games, you think, very realistically, seven out of eight? I would go six out of eight. I, I, I think you have to look at the favourable draw. They're getting all their 
top guys back. Uh, we should have Tamari Martin back in a couple of weeks. Uh, Jazz Tavanga should be back very soon. And if they, the Warriors can stay healthy, I think they're going to be a pretty tough nut to crack. Realistically, they would have 15 wins. They would have 15 wins. Yeah, so realistically, Ben, I mean, you know, 10 being overly optimistic and one being extremely negative. Where would you sit on the scale as a Warriors supporter? Because I feel generally like, speaking, yeah, generally speaking, I think you're very close to that ten mark. Like you're looking at it through rose tinted. I would disagree. I think he's very reasoned. Yeah, reasonable with this. Well, I, I, the only way I'm looking at it, Grant, is after the bye, the Warriors. They're playing a team like the Dolphins in the last game, who's on a complete downfall. They're playing the Dragons and Tigers, who are pretty much out of it, and. So that those are three of those six wins right there. And then to, if they want to make the eight, they realistically have to beat some of these other teams. Like they'll have, probably have to beat the Eels tonight. They'll have to beat the Sharks mm. next weekend and like that. So then they win a couple of those games and then you're pretty much at that mark, which I just said. So I don't think it's really out of the realms of possibility. Okay, so they finish off with 15 or potentially 16 wins. What happens after that, Ben Francis? So, and this is the hard bit because... I've done it for the Warriors, but I haven't done it for the other teams. I don't know where they're going to finish on the table, but I just, I, I really hope that they do have a finals home game some stage in there. It's been 15 years since the Warriors had a home game uh, at, at finals game. I was in year eight at, at school. Um, just to <laughs> throw that back there, watching uh, watching Aiden Kirk get an intercept pass to run away and score the match winner against the Roosters, thirty to thirteen there at Mount Smart. Although back in two thousand eight was the last time the Warriors had a home finals match there, and I remember the build up for that. It was a, a great time to be a Warriors fan, so I'm hoping for something similar. Brilliant, mate. Loved uh, your contribution to the show, uh, especially when uh, you know digging into the realm of rugby league. Uh, it's been really awesome working with you, mate. We wish you all the very best. Uh, so there you have it. So uh, playoffs footy bound, and he's predicting a home final. I think we can say that. That'd be great. It will that be, would be home amazing. Final. I'd be stoked the for The Breakers, the Warriors. Yeah. It's amazing how many people become a league fan or Warriors fan or Breakers fan when there's there's a home final. To the bandwagon. Yeah, I know. I remember when you the You love break... a good bandwagon, don't you? Man, I support Everton. <laughs> you can't say that I'm a bandwagon supporter when I support Everton and the Warriors. <laughs> Grant Elliott who is the number one ranked rugby team international rugby team on the planet according to world rugby's completely infallible perfect world ranking system uh, France no no oh. hmm. Ireland well done who's who's second England no France <laughs> yes okay. who's third England no South Africa no the All Blacks? Yes. Okay. Oh, we third. Well, I thought third we'd be fourth. The side in the world, but you think the world's falling down. I know. It does feel like... But, but if we're not first, we're last yeah. in New Zealand. Like, I've been to these All Black games, and just the supporters, when the All Blacks win, it's we didn't win by enough. And if we lose, well, the world, you know, has ended. So I think that, you know, Dean phoned in earlier and he spoke about how pensive he is around the selection and how there's no consistency and also you Daniel you you're not that sure that we've got the right combinations so I always say consistency breeds consistent performance so consistency and selection but can you be consistent with your selection leading up to a world cup because of injuries and giving people opportunity trying to get those pieces of the jigsaw in the right place 
Um, and I think that that's all we're yeah. doing. You know, it's the same with the New Zealand cricket team, the Black Caps. They're trying to get the pieces in place before the World Cup, trialling, you know, um, uh, Daryl Mitchell at three. He, he passed that test extremely well. But you have to find out what your right combinations are. And I don't think we, we know, but the coaching staff, surely they'll have a good idea, 80%, what the, that combination looks like. Well, we're going to see how the uh, four sides uh, in the Southern Hemisphere are going to fare this weekend. Uh, we're going to see South Africa up against Australia, of course. South Africa at home for that one. And Argentina hosting the All Blacks. Uh, just after 7 o'clock tomorrow morning, the game kicks off. We will have Bleeding Black after 9 o'clock. We will get your reaction, listeners, on 0800 A truly unpredictable year ahead of international uh, rugby uh, awaits us, Grant Elliott. For the record, South Africa are fourth in the world. Scotland a fifth. England a sixth. Australia seventh. Argentina eighth. Wales ninth. And Japan tenth. That's your top ten in the world rankings. Let's catch up with the man who played for the fifth-ranked uh, Scottish side back in the day. He, of course, the familiar voice to the SCNZ family, uh, part of our Super Rugby coverage. He's done a great job uh, covering the Hurricanes in season 2023. He is the Badger. The one, the only, Mr Gordon Simpson. Cordo, how are you, mate? Hello, Mr. McCarter. You well? I'm great, my friend. You know, no, no, no complaints here. No complaints. Got you. You know, someone I've known. You know, basically my whole life. Got Grant Elliott next to me. I'm looking forward to the next ten or so minutes. Good day, Gordon. Good day, Grant. Yeah, no, you made my day when you said that uh, we were fifth ranked. Scotland was fifth ranked in the world ahead of England. That's just made my whole day. <laughs> I'm big on Scotland. Ben France is big on Scotland too. You can understand why I'm yeah. big on Scotland. But I think I think Scotland is a great little uh, snapshot of where international rugby is at. I would not want to play Scotland in a quarterfinal. I think they could beat anyone. I'm just uncertain they could do it three weeks in a row, a quarter, a semi, and a final. I think they're a great sign of just how wide open uh, the calendar is this year, so, uh, the field is this year rather than Gordon. Yeah, absolutely. The field is really wide open this year. And, um, yeah, right. I probably had my doubts of them playing full, really, three massive games in three weeks if it was a, you know, a quarterfinal, semi, and final. Um, you know, I think they've got a really good, um, 23. But then if you have to keep, start reaching without that, without, outside of that 23, um, then you may struggle. Um, so, but no, listen, you, you never know. I mean, it's such a wide open, um, running this year with the World Cup, you know, I don't think anyone can pick who's can um, who's going to take it out. If we dig a little bit deeper into the Southern Hemisphere sides, uh, you'd probably say the same about Australia and Argentina. They can put a good twenty-three on the field, whether or not there's much depth below it. Um, in, in direct comparison, South Africa, you, you would you would probably have more faith in them. Yeah, I think I think the South Africans um, they just seem to always um, develop good players. Um, uh, within the within the squad, or so, so much so without outside of the squad. So um, yeah, no, listen, I think South Africa are always going to be competitive. That you know they're a rugby nation. Um, they just sort of they just have big guys, skillful guys, powerful men just coming through all the time. So uh, I don't think there's any worries about uh, about, about them performing at a World Cup environment. Um, Australia. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm never going to give Australian any kind of um, uh, acknowledgement, so um, don't really care about them, to be fair. Um, and, and Argentina, Argentina, yeah, I mean, unfortunately, unfortunately, in my household at the moment, um, my yeah. son has uh, worked away from um, rugby and gone into football, so all I hear at the moment is Messi. So, um, so yeah, I mean, Argentina... 
Um, you know, obviously they're, they're they're a powerful team too in rugby, but um, I guess the depth when it comes around to rugby is probably not as as, as bold as it is in their football um, and their football yes. sort of uh, prowess. Yeah, but they, they they can be bullish about their chances um, of an Ian Foster coached uh, All Black side, I, I would think, because. You know, they've, they've beaten in Foster's uh, All Blacks, of, of course. They've only had two wins over New Zealand overall now, haven't they? They're playing in the hotbed that is Mendoza, who haven't had an All Blacks test in years, and that place, they absolutely love rugby. But I, I, and I made this point at the top of the show, Gordon, I'd love to get your perspective on it. I cannot remember a time where there is so much uncertainty hanging over the head of an All Blacks team as they embark on a World Cup year. I know we had flawed teams, 91, you know, 95 was really young. There were some, you know, positional questions in 93 and 2003. Uh, but there's, there's so many questions in my mind. Do you read it in a similar way? Yeah, I do. Um, I guess, yeah, I guess with, with Super Rugby at the moment, especially in New Zealand, I, I find that um, it's very, um, yeah, it's not the same game it was and, and you have other sports within New Zealand culture now that so many so many kids are growing up to play. So I think yeah. we're losing a little bit of focus with with rugby, and you know it's a scary thing, um, especially obviously up in here in Auckland um, and junior rugby and and, and school rugby, um, where you know the likes of basketball and that are really taking off. And and rugby's yeah, it's 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 sort of heading sort of in the junior rugby. It's not it's not progressing as we we all once knew it um, was, but. Um, yeah, and with the All Blacks now, um, and you know, I guess, I guess where they've where they've come from the last few years under Ian Foster, it's been a little bit sort of hit and miss, and um, I think we're all a little bit nervous, a little bit on edge to you know what what's yeah. going to transpire this year with this All Black team because you look at the team they've named this this for this game against Argentina, and there's um, it's probably not the one that we were all thinking, but it's um, I mean, listen, there's there's an element of um, experience there, but there's also a lot of element of um, of um, new players and new guys. So it's a um, yeah, it's, it's, there's a lot of nerves I can imagine within New Zealand public at the moment, especially with it being such a big year with the World Cup. So um, and rug, world rugby, it's sort of you know I couldn't pick who the uh, who the who the number one team is at the moment. It's hard to sort of pinpoint. Um, you probably have to throw like a bunch of six in it, and they could any any one of those six teams could win on the beat anyone on the mm. day. It's, it's like France's a great example of that, aren't they? You know, the, everyone yes. thinks them as favourites. But, Grant, you, you've been at the top end. Until you actually win something, actually win it all, you, you're going to be riddled with a bit of self-doubt, right? E- even if you are playing at home. Well, I mean, I want to ask you, Gordon, I mean, did we really yeah. think that the All Blacks were going to name our best team in the first game? Like, surely they're building up, they're building combinations. Like, that Damien McKenzie's a little bit of a surprise at 10. Everyone thought it would maybe be Richie Moanga, and then... We had the discussion about McKenzie, Moanga, and uh, Barrett. Can all three be in the same team? How do we actually navigate through that? Surely it's just, you know, I hate to use the word rotation, but it's uh, it's trial and error leading up to it. But there's also an element of keeping those players fresh with so many international fixtures coming up. Yeah, no, I think you hit, you hit on the head then. I think uh, the combinations is probably the key word there. Um, Building combinations because I think as much as New Zealand public want to win every game, um, I think probably Ian Foster and probably within the All Black camp, there's a bigger prize here, and obviously there's an eye on the World Cup. Um, And I think 
if by some miracle the All Blacks uh, managed to win that at, uh, you know, later in the year, then I think the whole rugby championship will be forgotten. Um, obviously, this is we're in the now at the moment, but I think if we drop the odd game, but we start building some combinations, um, as much as it's, mm. it's not great to say that, um, I think, especially within the All Black camp, I can only assume... Th- they're, they're more, their eyes are more on the World Cup. I mean, like I said, they want to win every game. You don't want to go out and lose a game. But you've got to build up some combinations. And there's obviously some new players in this team. Like, for example, you've got Bowden Barrett playing at fullback tonight. Um, and um, as much as we know Bowden Barrett's a great player, um, I honestly believe that um, Sean Stevenson's a, a better fullback than he is. Um, but you know, you, I guess in this kind of environment, the first game, you're going to put someone like Bowden there for the experience, and he's been in that situation before. But, you know, um, down the line, I'd love to see Sean Stevenson actually have a run at fullback, put him in an environment like this, and see, you know, see where he stands. It's probably the same as how we're talking about Damien McKenzie now. He hasn't been around the All Black fold for a, for a little while now. Um, so throw him in the deep end, see how he goes. Um, he's had a great super rugby season, so now now put him up yeah, to this sort of a, a more hostile environment, put him put him on a, a, a bigger stage and see how he performs. You know, and then that, all this is coming down to combinations. So, uh, Badger, where, those, you speak about combinations. What are the important yeah. combinations then when you look at this? He's going to say team. loose forwards, mate. He's oh, a loose forwards. You know, loose forwards. forwards are the heart of any team, he'll tell you. Because Sam Kane comes back in, doesn't he? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. No, no. Um, yeah, Daniel's got a spot on there. It's, it's all about the loose balls. <laughs> um, Winning the ball. Uh, listen, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, listen, uh, uh, as you can probably tell with my um, my uh, commentary during the, um, the Super Rugby season, I wasn't a big fan of the back, so um, it was all about <laughs> team and rugby. Um, so, uh, <laughs> but uh, I understand it's a 15-man game or 23 these days, whatever you want to call it. So, um, now listen. With, 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 well, first and foremost, you look at this all-back team name today, uh, or so early in the week, and you lose Whitelock and Retallick, who are you know probably the best second rowers that have been going around for years. So, you know what comes to the World Cup if we're missing one of them, or, or you know, yeah. Rob Avid, two of them. You know, Josh Lord. You know, he's a, he, he's been thrown into the deep end. But we've got to see these guys. You've got to put these guys in these situations with the with the um, you know the possibility that they might be there in those key games and those rugby world cups. Um, we don't know about injuries, you know. It's um, so yeah. These combinations. You've got the likes of um, Artie and Sam back again. You know, not too, not big loose forwards, um, but you know, obviously very experienced, been around, been in that environment before. Um, so you know, there's certain combinations. You got the, you know, obviously the but the key one tonight is going to be Aaron Smith and Damien McKenzie. You know how are they going to how yeah. are they going to perform? You know they haven't been they haven't been around each other for a while. Um, Damien hasn't really played a lot at ten. I don't know for the All Blacks. If I'm like again, I'm trying to trying to understand the backs again, but you know it's not really my focus. But um, there's that combination. Um, you know, and um, Bodie at fullback. I know he's played a lot there, but he probably hasn't played a lot there for a, probably since the last All Black season. Um, so listen, there's all these different combinations and. You, then you've got the guys on the bench, you know, you've got the um, uh, Richard Mwang who's on the bench um, and, um, you know, certain front row forwards too, you know, you've got Dane Coles versus Cody Taylor, you know, who's, as Colsey, everyone gets calling, saying Colsey's over the hill, well, well, in my eyes, he's not, he's, he's, he's in his prime, um, but, um, you know, Cody Taylor's obviously come off a pretty successful um, Super Rugby season too, so combinations, massive things there, and so I think within that all-black environment, they're just looking at sort of developing some of these and thinking of the, the bigger picture, which is obviously later in the year. 
They don't have a lot of games, though. Only five to go. Five mm-hmm. and counting. Gordon, I know you've got a busy day ahead, mate. We've got to let you go. Thanks so much for all you've done for us over the last few months. And uh, Great to hear your voice, mate. Hope you and the family are doing good. Thanks, Gordon. Yeah, you too, Daniel. Thanks, Grant. Appreciate it. Gordon Simpson there, former Scottish International, who's been uh, part of the SCNZ family throughout um, Super Rugby season, part of Hurricanes Valley. Uh, great to hear his uh, perspective on uh, the international game and uh, the All Blacks. Um, yeah, I had so much uncertainty heading into the season. As, as I said to you at the top of the show, Grant, it fills me full of trepidation. But real excitement. I, I'm really fascinated to see how this goes. Well, thing, like, he Don't talks wait. about the combinations, hey, and that, that will be exciting to see those combinations and how they work and how they develop into a game plan. One thing I really wanted to ask him was, you know, would Razor select the same team? That's what I wanted to ask. <laughs> yeah, would he play it differently? Even before, even before the first test of the year. Yeah. All poking the ribs. Well, I wonder what he, what he would do, how he would play things. But anyway. Well, I think he'd play Leicester fighting a Nuku if a fit um, on the left wing, uh, and I hope that can happen eventually. <laughs> and he'd play Richie Moanga too. Yeah, exactly. Uh, we will take a break. Uh, plenty more to come, including our workhorse of the week. We'll catch up with Clado, the sporting tips you should probably run a mile from. And we'll allow Ben Francis to take us out playing his favourite song <laughs> of all time. Back after this. Back on half past 12. This is the Saturday session on SENZ. Our number, 0800 You can probably text us. You should still text us on double eight double three. Do you know why? We've got still half an hour to go for our Rum and Q prize pack giveaway for this week. We called it Rub the Wrong Way. We give an opinion piece, tell you what's rubbed us the wrong way. Uh, mine was the reaction to uh, the Bearstow run out. Uh, we want to hear from you. Double eight, double three. what's uh, rubbed you the wrong way? Got an amazing prize pack, thanks to the uh, the quality crew at Rum and Q with award-winning rub sauces and seasonings. So go on, pick up the phone. What's rubbed you the wrong way? Could be could be something serious. Could be something mirthful. It could be... The Canberra Raiders bowled a no ball last night in their, <laughs> in their Johnny Vesto recreation video, um, and they should have been forced to take it again. That was that was a brilliant video. Uh, I, I could make a late addition. Do you know what's rubbed me the wrong way? That uh, Skulk Burger will be joined by Grant Alley at a <laughs> rugby dinner. The, the former Springbok great. I tell you this stuff in the confidence. Former, I never, why do you think I was writing them down? St. Stithians. Former St. Stithians fullback. Captain. Captain. We'll be alongside him and Grant Elliott. I don't know so what I'm we're going to talk about. I'm jealous. It's Kulk Berger, what a player. Do you reckon I should just hand him off as I walk down? You'll break that hand of yours. I'll you pop it on hands. I used to play people like Skulk he's, every day. He's a big unit. Yeah, we used to get pumped like 90 points. <laughs> English, English team versus Afrikaans team. Just... There was just no... We had no chance. Yeah, so sorry for, 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 for throwing uh, you under the bus there, but that's great that's information. Right. Um, nothing secret. Nothing secret. I'm not sure how, what we're going to talk about, but surely not my rugby prowess. <laughs> but yeah, that's You can find out about the dark arts. You can come back uh, having learned all about the dark arts from one's Colt Berger, the former uh, Springbok loose forward. Played Jeff. a bit dirty, you reckon? He was a good player. He was hard. He was just hard. You know, off the field had that beautiful smile of his, which was sort of counter yeah. to, to the guy who was on the field. And, you know, a great campaigner. What do the listeners highly, want highly me to ask him? What do the listeners want me to ask well, him? What eight, would you like me to ask Skulk Burger? Double eight, so, double three. Well, I, on behalf, well, I was going to say on behalf of Ben Francis, but he, he doesn't care anymore. He's leaving. Uh, he's can you just, get Skulk Burger on the show? Can you get his digits? Mm, 
Yeah, I can yeah, ask him. Go on, get him on the show. It's like Sean White. Yeah, how's that going? He's still on his honeymoon. <laughs> what? Yeah, he's had a honeymoon for that long. Yeah, he's had like two years. Anyway, all right. Uh, ben Francis, do you have the Bob McMurray clip? It's time for our workhorse of the week. He does. My workhorse of the week, Shane Van Gisbergen. Mm. Uh, if, if you don't want to hear me explain it, Good, because I'm no motorsport expert. Luckily, we had one on the show earlier today, and Bob McMurray, who explained it quite nicely, didn't he? I think the achievement, his achievement, is would have to go up with the very top achievements of any race driver in any formula in any country in, in, in the world at any time. Uh, a remarkable performance to, um, to go over their mid-season from what he normally does and to come away with a win. Absolutely superb. Right up there with the very best. That's what I asked him. I no, said, so this you, is the best ever. You, no, you misquoted him. You then misquoted him and tried to say this is the best ever. He said it's right up there with the very best. But he said the best in the world or the best of the, this. He best. said, it's, start the clip again. Ben, let's have an exercise of listening. <laughs> I think it is would have to go up with the very top achievements of any Yeah, with, alongside, not beyond. Thank you, Ben. Thank you, Ben. At any time. Okay. Uh, Bob McMurray, Shane Van Gisbergen, we bow down to you. You're my workhorse of the week. Gave him some great What raps. about you? Who's your workhorse of the week? My workhorse what, of the week. What rabbit hole are you going to go down this week? I'm just going to say it's been an eventful <laughs> 78 hours. Very eventful 78 hours for one Tamim Iqbal, the captain of Bangladesh. He has been working so hard. Tamim Iqbal made a retirement announcement on Thursday afternoon in a live TV broadcast where he broke down several times. It was a 13-minute monologue about why he was doing it. And it captured airwaves and social media for the rest of the day. Then a different Tamim spoke to the media on, on Friday evening. Just 36 hours outside the Prime Minister's residence. He revealed that he'd been given a break of six weeks to recuperate from his injuries. The Honourable Prime Minister invited me to her residence this afternoon, Tamim said. We had a long discussion after which she instructed me to return to cricket. I'm with withdrawing my retirement. I can say no to anyone, but it is impossible to say no to the most important person in the country. Mushrafi Bai, that's uh, Mutaza Mushrafi, called me while Papon Bai, Hassan, was here. That's the selector, chairman. They were big factors in the reversal. The prime minister has also given me a break of a month and a half. I'll complete my retreat, my treatment and return to playing cricket. So obviously they got quite scared with Tamim Iqbal. He's going, I'm Good out. Press conference. Three months before the World Cup starts. And, um, yeah, nothing like... I wonder if he got a little sweetener as so well. He got so six weeks break. So he resigned. He resigned, yeah. The chairman said, I'm not accepting it. Yep. And then the Prime Minister got involved. The Prime Minister got involved. And they had tea, it looked like it, with his wife. And uh, they said, uh, sorry, you're not retiring. And also the chairman said, I don't accept his retirement. Yeah. Brilliant. I've never seen that. I've never seen someone say I'm retiring and they go, we're not accepting that. <laughs> Get out there. Okay, we'll give you six weeks break. Brilliant. Well, he's had an, an eventful week, Tom and McBell. Yeah. I think that's a splendid nomination for our workhorse of the week. Former Wellington Firebird as well. Of course, yeah. Fine player. Fine player. He, he can go. Yeah. He can go. I do remember commentating a test where an hour and 20 minutes into it, we were starting to think 100 before lunch on a green seamer. Yeah, he's a good player. Yeah. Um, really good player. Uh, thank you, Grant. So we will take a break. 24 minutes away from 1 o'clock. Clado, uh, we'll find out what's happening after 1 o'clock with Clado shortly. Remember to get your nominations in. 
for the uh, opportunity to win a prize pack. Thanks to Rum and Q. Uh, what's rubbed you the wrong way? Text us in double eight double three. Twenty minutes away from one o'clock. This is the Saturday. We session. still don't know it. We, we still, still don't. don't know we're it. trying desperately to find out Ben Francis's middle name. Um, Clado, we've got an assignment for you, mate. You have to burst into the studio and steal his wallet. We're going to um, get the driver's license. Here's Daniel. There, there's nothing. Don't, don't worry. There's nothing in the wallet. There'll be, there'll be <laughs> absolutely no money in it. Uh, we just need to know a middle name. Anyway, Clado, how are you, sir? Yeah, very good. Grant and Daniel. I've been told that's the way to introduce you guys from now on. Grant first. Oh, right. Yeah. Oh, even yeah, Daniel told gets you the that. theme music. Oh, been last yeah. days throwing out the orders thick and fast. Oh, wow. Yeah. It's probably the right thing to do, isn't it? It's the end of an era. Oh. And, I've, and I've lost my darts coach. Not that he Has he improved your darts game no, significantly? No, once. He told one lesson he gave me. I said, oh, every week, can you just give me a little bit of advice every week? Uh, I improved so much after that first week. He run and hide. No, he's shaking his head. No, no. No, he just disappeared. Lost cause, I think he said. You got the Warriors jersey on. You're ready for that one tonight. Seven o'clock, full coverage right here on SNZ. Oh, you'll be listening in. Uh, Cohen, you know, sync it with the TV, listen to the boys, get the lowdown on what's going on, but... Yeah, they need to bounce back, don't they? Yeah, well, last week was a little bit ugly, to say the least, but it was one of those games, some ter- terrible weather against the side who played really, really well. I don't think you overreact to it, Clayton. do you? No, no, no. I think um, mind on the job tonight, you know, they'll be back into it. Parramatta, they are beatable, but on the other hand, they can do what Rabbitohs did to us, so needs to come Don't out worry, Clayton, because uh, Ben Francis has said that they're going to finish with 15 wins in a home semi, so it's all good. Yeah, I'm Ben there. We'll have no one to roast, though, from next week. Oh, boy, what are we going to do? No Ben. A smiling face awaits me as I walk in the door in a steaming hot cup of coffee. Does he make you coffee? <laughs> no. Not a, not a chance. Oh, no. It's not going ha- to happen in the next 80 minutes either, Clado. All right, uh, what have you... What have you guys got planned for us uh, this afternoon? Is it all about the spirit of racing? Is there a horse called Drumstick that will be racing? Yeah, Drumstick. Yeah, there's a Drumstick by now, I should hope. But uh, (laughs) (laughs) just never going to run for our money, did we? Just running into the first fence, he was throwing his head around. I thought, that's not what you want to see. Leading into your first jumps fence, you know. Like, yeah, no, he needs to get his mind on the job, that boy. But I do have one for you today at a bit of a price. Oh, Okay. Very Tell heavy us. conditions at Tarapa, but we're going to go to race six at three minutes past two. And number five, Middle Khan. It's paying $9 and $3. It'll plough through the mud. Mm. Look, uh, hurriedly adding it to his multis for the day is Grant. Do you, do you, are you capable of independent thought, Grant? Mm, yeah, I am. Yeah, we can yeah, take some absolutely. easy bit. <laughs> no. No, I actually took your bet last weekend as well, oh, Plato. I the one and only time. And, and uh, yeah, but that's all right. I mean, I know that you guys on on your show, you, you probably fall on the better side of um, the correct decision than okay. the wrong side. So and money, it's only like confetti you to you, isn't it? Dominated. Professional oh, players. I, yeah, no, so much. So much the trees, money. Trees. Well, he, he makes it rain uh, as he walks into the studio <laughs> every Saturday, like he's the NFL wide receiver on a trip to, you know, the, the strip clubs around Dallas or something. Oh wow! <laughs> well, there, there we go. Back to you, Clado. Back to you, Middle Khan, Middle number Khan. five, and race six to Rapa. So locked and loaded. Good luck. Good luck. What? 
And who's joining you today, Clado? Uh, Louis Herman Watt. He'll be down in the Christchurch studio. So uh, no talk about the Crusaders because that's all dead and buried. So we'll talk about the All Blacks tomorrow, no doubt, and the Warriors tonight. Brilliant stuff. Have a great show, mate. Nice. Do appreciate it. Thanks, guys. Enjoy, Clado. Uh, thank you, Clado and crew, coming up after 1 o'clock as crew will uh, take you through all the, uh, the racing uh We've got Martin writing, afternoon lads. Spend $40 on a new sports book, which I eagerly awaited delivery from the New Zealand, the friendly New Zealand courier driver, and the book was not worth the wait or money. That's what rubbed me the wrong way, writes Martin. I, are you as fascinated as I am what this book was? Yeah, I want to know what and, the book And I'd also like to know, have you written an autobiography? No. <laughs> Maybe uh, Martin is, you know, subtly throwing some shade your way. I haven't. Do you think I should? <laughs> yes. The Long Walk to Freedom. Yeah. From, from Saint Stithians, yeah, on the couch with Skulk, yeah, from Saint Stithians to Saint Kitts, yeah. Well, you didn't play for Saint Kitts. It was no, I played for the Zooks. Yeah, the Zooks. Uh, Saint Lucia, Saint, Saint Lucia Zooks. I knew I was close. Yeah. Uh, thank you very much, uh, Martin. We'll put you in the draw to win uh, the Rub the Wrong Way prize. Tell us what the book is, though, Martin. We need to know what that book was and why you were so disappointed. Was it the Justin Langer autobiography by any chance? Maybe, possibly. 14 away from one back after this break. This morning tips you should probably run a mile from. Um, and Ben Francis playing us a love song as he departs. Final words after this break. It is 10 minutes away from 1 o'clock. Final act of the show is always to dish out our pearls of wisdom. <laughs> We call it sporting tips you should probably run a mile from. No, I, I, I don't think we should. I'm getting close. I feel like I'm I was getting... one of two again last weekend. I think. I got That's one. not good enough. That's just 50%, mate. I don't, I don't accept mediocrity. I got four out of now, five. Success for the All Blacks in 2023, despite the, the, the playing field, is still a world championship. Right? Yeah. No. Okay. High okay. standards. Well, I, I got four out of five. For okay, you, okay, you can brag. And I'll, I, I'll start then as far as uh, punts for the weekend. I'm going to go to Argentina. I'm going to go to the All Blacks Argentina. It's the first test in Argentina in a few years due to COVID, etc. is it not? They're playing in Mendoza. They haven't played there in Yonks, the All Blacks. Mendoza's a bit of a hotbed. So I think uh, it's going to be quite a hostile atmosphere. It's going to be quite oh. um, an atmosphere. So it's a, t- it's a tight game. So no one, no one wins by more than 12. So I think uh, the All Blacks are paying about 260 for 12 and under. But I don't think it's absolutely madness if, if you want to disagree with me and go Argentina 1-12, to 12, five and a half bucks. So I think it's, I think it's 12 and under is the type of game. Uh, bonus bet, mm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with the talkback rugby host theorem that something stupid will happen in the first game of international rugby and everyone will collectively lose their minds. <laughs> and it will no doubt revolve around a red card incident. Is that because you're going to be uh, in the hot seat tomorrow morning? Well, I might, stoke, I might stoke the fire. Uh, so, bonus spent any player to receive a rear card, $5.50. You're welcome. Nice. Okay, I see it. Well, um, last week, I just want to do a recap. Um, the last game was the Sydney Roosters, who I backed to beat the Sea Eagles in the last leg of my five-leg multi, and they lost 16-18. So, I got four out of five. So this week, um, what I am going for, I'm going to go for league as well. Um, And then I've got another uh, little bet that I think. Uh, So the first one is the the Warriors to beat the Eels, the Rabbitohs to beat the Bulldogs, and the Dolphins to beat the Titans, which delivers around $4.50. Or 
perhaps Max Verstappen gets a little bit complacent. Something happens. We heard about the new tyres that they're using. Um, and Sergio Perez wins it. So someone at other than... $11. Verstappen is, I think, one seven of the nine. He's like $1.60, but yeah. Sergio Perez is $11. Anything could happen. I mean, you know, it's like, it might be a sneaky little bit. All right, let's go to Ben Francis for the final time on uh, the sporting tips. You should probably run a mile from. Will he run towards his favourite tactic? Hello, Ben. Hello. No, I won't. I'll, I'll end on a positive note, guys. And in that positive note, okay. is picking Argentina to beat the All Blacks. 12 and under? Yep. 5.50. Wow. I don't think it's a stupid shout. And then and then if you rub, rub your hands together, guys, and chuck the Warriors to win tonight, it will give you a two-leg multi of $8.47. Thank you very much. Ooh. So long and good night. Uh, thank you very much. Uh, ben, great uh, working with you over this time, mate. Wish you all the very best uh, for whatever lies forward for you and your family, my friend. Uh, any final, final send-offs you want to give us? Uh, we yeah. go with the Australian type send off or it's, uh, it's, fake bouquets. It's, it's been a it's been a privilege and pleasure working with uh, both you guys. Uh, gonna miss you. Um, yeah, that's the light. If only we had a lie detector test. If only Ruben <laughs> had delivered the lie detector the lie test. Detector we're, gonna, test. we're gonna slap that on you right there and actually see uh, if you're telling the truth. Uh, have you got a song to take us out on? Do you do you want some careless whisper? Oh, I just wanted a song that makes you happy. It's a song for you, well, Ben. Well, the, 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 I guess that will be the song that reminds me. Every time I hear it, I'll be thinking of Daniel <laughs> and Grant. So I guess, I guess it's stra- fitting. It's, not, it's, it's like, strange. I now associate that song with the show too. It's not my favourite song sad. though, but it's the one I, I'll associate with, with the Saturday sessions. So. <laughs> All right, Ben. Oh, we've take, enjoyed it, Ben. Take, Thank ta- you so much for everything you did. Take us out with a careless whisper, my friend. All the very best, mate. Thanks for everything. Till next time. listeners. Huru, everyone. Enjoy your sporting weekend. I'll catch you from 9am tomorrow morning for Bleeding Black. Oh. After an All Blacks victory. You want to come in and co-host? I'll be phoning in if Argentina wins. Ah, give me that sax. Till next week. Bye-bye.